Three, two, one. Drum roll, please. Welcome to the Backseat Playlist, Season 1. Episode 3, sub-series, Blue Collar Audio, Episode 2. I'm good at marketing, <laughs> believe me. Subsession 1-2, we're using the Dewey Decimal System on this one on YouTube. So, Season 1. Redux. Redux. Ducks, 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 ducks. Article 2. Section B. Episode something. And if you're not confused now, you will be as we go further along. Give give it some time. Give it some time. Your brain will hurt as much as ours do. Comment on our Instagram page at Reflections Artist Collective at what minute and second mark you actually gave up listening. <laughs> We'd love to see that. All of them are like 20 seconds. <laughs> didn't, even, didn't even start it. <laughs> We're going to have a bunch of comments for people that didn't even watch it. We're like, look at all these people that commented. We're like, oh, wait, they, they didn't even watch it. Yeah. I can see who, not who watches it, but I can see how many people watch it. We know when you're watching, and we know when you're sleeping. I know. YouTube sends me updates every Sunday. Yeah, we have all of your, your biometric data. You guys are screwed. I'm data mining all of you. Yeah, that's really we, what this is. Yeah. We're working for the Chinese government. Pretty much, yeah. I, I thought it was like, mm, maybe if I have a podcast where I have intelligent discussions about audio, it can be used as some sort of like virtual business card where I can be like, you know, future client be like, well, how much do you actually know about sound? We'll be like, well, you can listen to me babble about it for hours on end. And then I realized, hey, if I just data mine my subscribers, I'll make way more money. <laughs> so, jokes on you, chumps. If I commit human rights violations, I will get a lot further in life. Yeah. You know, the old Christian rock motto, if you can't beat them, ruin it. And that's that's <laughs> what I'm doing. Speaking of Christian rock, I, I mean, guess they, they, Not they, even cla- my... they didn't even classify themselves as one, but uh, Creed. Still love him. Scott's, dude, you could do a whole story about Scott Stapp and his mental breakdowns, him leaving the CIA is after him, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Meth? Question mark? I don't know, but we should film a, you know, as part of our channel, we should do like a parody where we, one of us is Scott Stapp, and we film the story of him, but we frame it like it is true. Like he's actually being hunted by the CIA. There was a... And then we intersperse covers of Creed. I don't know how active you were on, like, YouTube back in the day, but I think it was the guy who, like, started Consequence of Sound would do, like, Tuesday updates on YouTube or whatever, and he did a parody video where he interviewed Scott Stapp, and he was, like, totally in character. That's like, amazing. It was, it was hilarious. One of, the, uh, one of the shows my band played when we were at uh, Baltimore Soundstage, we were, uh, we were back in the green room, and we found this letter from the night before when I believe it was Dillinger Escape Plan had played. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was Dillinger. Or no, it was from it was from two nights prior because Dillinger had played, and then the following night Scott Stapp was going to be there doing his solo he show. He told me the story. And so Dillinger, one of the guys in Dillinger, left this horrific note for Scott Stapp, telling him he sounds fucking terrible, he's a horrible person, his music sucks, he's a has been. It was they committed violence with that letter. That's and apparently Scott read it and then left it in the green room. And oh. then, so then we were there the night before. So of course I licked or... every single couch just to make sure that I got some of Scott Stapp on my tongue. That's fair. And um, I got Scott Stapp infection. Oh, I did it. I did it. We did it. Press the button. And... Done. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that was uh, that was that was pretty cool to see. What do you call yeah. it? Hate mail between famous artists. That's fair. I should mention that the Christian rock joke is an old Pete Holmes joke. I didn't come up with it. And yeah. now we're going to get sued. Got to give... No. We're pulling a Carlos... Uh, no, I gave... Mencia? Carlos Mencia? No, yeah. I gave him props. Just now, you know. 
I'd let you finish your story first because I'm trying to be a polite host where I don't <laughs> talk over my guests, but oh, co-host. Yeah, <laughs> like what are you calling a guest? You know, we talked about this prior to the show that you guys brought you brought me on as a full as a full partner because I'm willing to do the weird stuff. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. Someone has got to be. Both the, of us are actually probably at that point. <laughs> someone's got to be the wild card. Yeah, and that is me. You don't know. I might stab myself on air one day. I don't know if that makes me the brains or the looks, but uh, we might. I might pull a cocaine. I'll you don't even know. Take it. Just on camera. Gone. Gone. And then you can then pull a. Uh, what was the band? Was it Death? No, it wasn't Death. It was uh, one of those black metal bands where they used like for one of their album covers they used a photo of their previous yeah, 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 member yeah, yeah, yeah. who blew his head off, and they're like, "This is a great album cover." It's black metal. It's yeah, they were they were for uh, real, man. Yeah. Like it's kind of like the old the old nineties like like hardcore like gangster hip hop guys where it was like I mean most nowadays of, like I, most of them were like legit it was like I killed a man and like yeah no they literally just they literally just admitted to a crime that they actually did and so it mm-hmm. made it a little more hardcore whereas nowadays like you hear these guys and you're like bro uh, no, you, you grew up in the valley shut up yeah. like we know you're fake like I your love, music might be okay but. I love it when nineties hardcore rappers go soft but then they still try to rap like they're like. Like Ice Cube? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bro, you weren't Are We There Yet. Like, come on, man. Uh, but prop, props to him. That, I mean, being in Are We There Yet is probably a way better life than being on the streets of Compton. Oh, yeah. No, I would have done it, too. I, <laughs> no I, judgment I, at it's all. It's a joke, because, like, all reality, like, dude, Ice Cube's the man. Like, Yeah. How about Ice-T, right? Like, Ice-T's the comic actor? Yeah. Uh, dude, I, did you ever watch that? Probably not. I used to watch this with my mom sometimes. But he had that reality show, Ice Loves Coco. It was him and his wife. Yeah, it was, it was on, like, it wasn't them. on... Was it? It wasn't VH. I want to say it was on like. Was it VH1 or MTV or one of them? One of them. Yeah. Or like E. Might have been on E or something like that. But it's like yo, he's on Law and Order, and he's got this reality show. And then, um, crap, his band just released a new single. Will Putney worked with him, right? Oh yeah. Um, somebody help us out there. Yep. Look you it up. It. Will yeah. just Google yeah. Ice, Ice T yeah, band Will Putney. Yeah. Great, it's heavy as hell. It won like a, it won an award, I think, this past year. I should check it out more. I feel like I, or it was nominated. It was nominated. I think it was nominated for a Grammy. I think. Yeah, I like digitally needle dropped it where I like played it and then I skipped and I was like, ah, I got something else to do. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not my thing, but, but respect. It might be cool. So last week, last episode, I don't know the time of stuff. Last week we talked about kick drums. We are doing a little series here. We're gonna go down the the chain, down the chain of command of recording, and not necessarily the chain of like oh, performance, preamp, microphone, yada yada, but just you know, one through however many channels you got on your interface for recording a a band. Yeah. And today we are on to the most controversial con controversial I can talk topic probably in uh drum recording the thing that makes me want to kill myself i have probably i've definitely gotten in arguments over this topic i have definitely cried probably lost friendships over this topic is this going to be the end of the backseat playlist right here possibly are you gonna gonna get ready to start this (laughs) gonna read my uh my playlist at the end and you're gonna be like no i'm not putting that on there a hard f you your way no uh (laughs) But wait, before we talk, okay, so real quick, I guess. One of the greatest snare sounds, one of my favorite snare sounds, is on a couple of records. I didn't put them on my list, um, but we should talk about this because everybody else in the world's talking about this. Every time I die, broke up. Snare sound. Yep. Yeah. Let's okay. not talk Adam about doesn't it. want to. I was going to cry. <laughs> but uh, I just want to say they had some amazing drum sounds. 
amazing guitar sounds, all around, just really, really cool records. One, probably the best to ever do it in that genre of music, oh, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, they're so influential. Um, Moment of Silence. Moment of Silence. And we're back. Moment over. <laughs> Moment over. Just like every time I die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, so where do we want to start today with, with talking about snare drums? Adam, you are the, the resident drum, drumagog, ah, drum player. Yeah, sorry, you just made me sad before we started. So. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, he is real sad. All right, well, maybe I will do a little dance. Now, what are we looking up here? My show notes. <laughs> My show notes. <laughs> this is why we have the notebooks. <laughs> yeah, well, I, there's, it's too big of a topic to fit in a three and a half by five inch That's notebook. That's true, yeah. Maybe once we get enough investment, we can buy ourselves some iPads, and we can have little iPads on there with shows. Yeah. Like the professionals. Patreon.com <laughs> slash Reflections Artist Collective. All donations get you behind-the-scenes content, early access to podcasts and future videos, and we're not going to pocket it. You also get the pre-show. Yeah, pre-show. I'm including that behind the scenes. Uh, And we're not going to pocket it for our own income. It's all going to go to tech stuff to help us... To help us get out of the basement. Make stuff that you all enjoy. Tell your friends. Tell them all. Open your wallets. (laughs) Open your wallets and open your hearts. Get ready to smell my farts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um... All right. That's why you come here. You don't come here for the audio. You come here for the potty humor. That's about right, you know. If you donate, we will be able to get one of those sound things. I don't even know what they're called, but I want to be the guy that just sits here. Adam's going to be Adam's a video guy. I'm the sound guy in terms of not the audio guy, but just I'm going to press the buttons to make the sounds. And Adam's going to have to reprimand me after every show. Be like, dude, you got to cool it. You got to cool it with the sound effects. (laughs) All right. I have my settings pulled up. I had like auto lock on my phone. And it was set to 30 seconds. We could do a whole episode. I just realized because I looked over at your phone. Using Google Drive or Dropbox. Oh, that could start some arguments. Yeah. I I use Google Drive. I know a lot, a lot of people complain about it. And I've I've looked at switching to Dropbox because I do appreciate the, um, I I don't know what you call it, the native built-in, like on Mac at least. When you download it, you can go up to the toolbar and you can open up that little menu thing that Apple does. And I, I really like that. But I don't know. It's just seems easier to me because almost everybody I know uses has a Gmail account, so it just... I, I don't if know. it's an extensive project, probably Dropbox. Mm-hmm. I think if it's more actively involved, but you know, I mean, for writing show notes and... Yeah. Well, us, I mean, like, I mean for transferring files, so for, for mixing. Oh, for mixing, yeah, yeah. For mixing, you use Dropbox? Uh, it kind of depends. I, I usually leave it up to the client. If it's mm-hmm. mix-heavy, probably... Dropbox just because there's more. I mean, also you can use one of those like we transfer or we send it. Yeah, um, no, I, I I like that if the other person has a Mac. Sometimes those websites are weird for Windows. Okay. Like if you're crossing platforms, it's strange. But if you're going, you know, OS Mac OS to mm-hmm. Mac OS or Windows to Windows, it seems to be smoother. Mm-hmm. But if you're going from one to the other, it gets. Yeah, I mean, I, so far, I mean, I've, I've, I've used Google Drive, and I, I haven't had any issues. No one's brought any issues into yeah. my attention. Um, and it, it seems pretty easy to at least just, like, if someone um, wants to add someone to the folder, I can easily just be like, yeah, just send me their email, and bang, do it immediately. Um, I like the privileges that you can assign to, where, like, some people can edit, some people can just view, yeah. other people can no, just I, leave I like a comment. That a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have no. The only problem I have with Drive is that you get like 15 gigs or whatever. It's not a lot. You got to do a lot of cleanup constantly. Yeah. But I also, I mean, I could buy, like, you can buy more storage, but I also appreciate that, like, 15 is enough to get you through an album. Well, is right? it? And it also forces you to just be. Dropbox. In, Isn't Dropbox less than that? I think it's 10 for free, and then you can spend 10 bucks a month and get okay. 50. I think. Interesting. I'm not sure. All right. Well. Yeah. What? Let us Total. know. Let us know in the comments section what you use. Total side tangent to the topic. <laughs> I know, right? But uh, all right, on to snare drums. Back Take to me away, Adam. Snare drums. Take me to my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it is like, it is like a relationship. When it's good, oh man, it's the best thing ever. Snares. It's just like if the snare in a mix is good, oh god, it's great. Um, but yeah. if it's bad. The rest of your mix could be great, but if you've got the wrong snare sample, if you've got the wrong snare drum, it just kills me. And and that happens a lot with my own mixes where I'll be Yeah. Ah, uh, all right. Yeah. Snares are this could be a there could be an entire series of snares. Oh yeah. And you know, as we we end every episode with a playlist, I texted Phoenix earlier this morning, I think. And I said, "I had a list of 50 snare drums, <laughs> snare sounds that I like." So I'm going to maybe clarify something I didn't say in the first episode, is that these aren't necessarily what we think is definitively the best sound of any particular instruments when we reference them. Oh, yeah, no. This is just, I have, you know, five or ten go-to references of songs that I'm familiar with, so I know, like, in the mix, this type of snare sound should be doing X, Y, or Z when I go to mix, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I don't think there, there is no perfect no. snare. There's no perfect anything. It's, I mean, yeah, purely a reference to be like, I'm in the ballpark where this snare that I recorded or kick drum or tom or whatever mm-hmm. is definitely mixable. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm excited to get to, get to our, our playlist today yeah. because I've got some examples that, Honestly, if we would have done this about two weeks ago, I pro- I know I would have picked a lot of different stuff. But yeah. I, I, I had started a playlist of some stuff, and I, I noticed some things, and I was like, huh. I'm not necessarily, like, well, one of these examples, and I'll get to it, is, like, the snare is not at all what you expect for this genre of music. Right. But that's what, and all of a sudden, it makes the song. It makes the song mm-hmm. so much more unique and original, and I think that's important, is that, you know, going into this, there are definitely... We'll call them industry standards, genre yeah. standards of, hey, if you're going for a heavy metal mix, you know, you definitely want this kind of snare sound because it'll cut through, it'll, yeah. it'll lay down the weight. If you've got, you know, a, a more low-key, um, low something like a John Mayer or the yeah. um, song I really love, it's not in my list because it doesn't have a snare drum, but the new Jack White song, uh, okay. Love is uh, Selfish, something like that. Amazing song. Check that out. Um uh, but, you know, those kind of vibes, like, the snares can be totally different. And so it's, again, as everything, genre-dependent, yeah, the, vibe. The snare is really the the personality and voice of a drum set, I think. Um, it's definitely, if you only have time to tune one drum, which take time to tune all of your drums, but if you yeah, only have, like... that in. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the one thing that other than cymbals, which we'll cover in a later episode, but there was a side tangent about that, I think, in the kick drum episode. Yeah, I'm excited for cymbals. Uh, the, 
the problem I, you can encounter with snare drums, I feel, is that if, yeah, you can always tuck in a sample to augment it, but they have to play well together. Oh yeah, like, and not and you're not talking about just like not just phase, but but tonality, tuning, pitch, yeah, uh huh, characteristics. Yeah, um, I I think I find a lot of times, say you've got like a darker snare, your, yeah. your recorded snare is mm-hmm. a little bit darker, maybe use like a fifty-seven or something else where it just it kind of gives you that more flat or or leaning darker sound, and even if you take a bright sample, sometimes it just it almost you it not you might hear like a separation, you might be missing something because there yeah. still needs to be that. That characteristic that's similar to get them to blend together. Yeah, snare drums are the love and bane of my existence all at the same time. Like it's it's like you said, like if if when the snare's right, and it doesn't mean that doesn't have to be even in the ballpark of the sonics that we've picked in our playlist, like, but when the snare's right for the song, the song almost mixes itself. Yeah. And there's just, you know. Uh, recording or mixing live, like there, I've heard some bad snare drums. I one of the things I noticed, and when I was when I was trying to pick out some some snares that I liked, I feel like a lot of at least a lot of the modern engineering that that I've been really into mm. in, in modern rock, modern metal, progressive music. In the mainstream, we still definitely have just the compress the living hell out of the drums and make them smack as hard as they can. You know, whenever you yes. listen to the radio, you know, like Octane or any of that stuff. All those, all those mixes, as great as they are, they are a style, and it, it takes a lot of work to get songs to sound like that. It's hundreds of yeah. tracks. It's crazy. Not my thing. Um, I definitely think, you know, like with anything, you know, you can listen to it on modern country radio or, or modern hip-hop radio. They all sound the same because they're all trying to compete for the same space. You know, it's yeah. all, they're all trying to be the same thing. But when you, when you break down from that, there's a lot of cool modern mixes where I noticed – they're really bringing back a lot of the old school drum sounds where you're really hearing a lot of the drum, the, mm-hmm. the, the body of the drum less of, I mean, there's still attack. It's a yeah. really cool balance. It's this nice balance of old school where you're hearing this ringiness, this boominess in these drums, because I mean, that's what drums sound like live. Yeah. No the, how you tune them, but, but they still have that modern compression and the attack that it's like, yeah. wow, they hit. Well, like, you know, was it five years or so ago? It was like when the eighties production started getting really cool coming back. Yeah. I hope we cycle back to nineties style where like dude right you get the attack from the the top mic but then like some of the body from the snare just comes from like a good reverb oh dude like, i i mean alice and chains i could talk about them yeah forever, that was my the like alice and chains reverb i mean if you go i think in uh in slate's uh verb suite classics there is a preset called alice verb and it's okay it's not the exact same I'll, it's I'll, in it's, the ballpark it's, but yeah. it's in the ballpark it's definitely it's like oh my god because I mean, yeah, yeah. their snares on those records are just <laughs> yeah, snare. We could have an entire sub podcast just talking about snares. How like, much are you? Have you found that you actually get a lot of um, the crack from your snare out of the reverb? That that kind of that crack sound. Obviously, it has to be there in the snare drum, but I feel like that kind of explosiveness definitely comes from what reverb you use. Yeah, um, most of the drum recordings that I have mixed recently have been myself playing and it's not for as much as like I listen to heavy music and everybody pegs me as like a hard rock and metal guy like most of the stuff that I get called to record for isn't really that heavy no yeah it's not I feel like my playing style is very different from what I listen to which I I do like I guess the dichotomy of that um but for live, I love clipping a snare into a reverb. Like that's even 
like mixing stuff in studio, clipping the snare into a verb is just one of my favorite sounds. And uh, what is it? What is what's what's happening? What what kind of sound are you creating? It's just some sort of like overdriven, harmonically enhanced version of the snare drum. Does it? It, it gives it a little bit more grit, okay. and I feel like because does it. Is there a little more of that that energy, that more explosive energy because you're clipping it? I think so. Okay. I'm not necessarily clipping it on the track and then sending the clip snare to the... I, I, I'm, I'm in this mix phase now where, there's another side tangent, where like, if I'm sending the dry track to an effect, I like it to be slightly different than just sending the output of my like... for So example... For vocals, it would be easier to explain this way. Um, you know, when you're when you're mixing vocals, you're gonna you know you're gonna do your like, you know, you're gonna EQ it, and then you're gonna put on like an eleven seventy six and the two A and get that real compressed like in your face thing. But when I send to my vocal effects, I will duplicate the channel probably of whatever I'm sending. So if it's a vocal verb, mm -hmm. and I won't compress it as much, okay. I'll leave it like. 1.5 to 2. And what we do, will you send to that? One, and I'll send that to my will effects. Will you send that pre-fader? Uh, it depends. So that you're not really having like a doubling effect going on? You're not really using that no. dry, you're just using it wet? I won't have that going to the master bus. Okay. Like the output of that will just go to an effects uh, okay, bus. Okay, I got you. And I got you, all you. of my effects will be okay, triggered so by that vocal thing. Yeah. No, it's like, not, it's not, it's not a not, send. You're yeah. literally just routing that to the verb. Yeah, I mean, you could okay. use the send if you want, but why? Well, yeah. That makes sense um, what you're doing, though. I don't know. For vocals especially, because, like, mic, if if the mic technique is good, because, like, um, I, I told Nick to try to do this, and from our live gigs, I can see that he, he's taken it to heart a little bit more, but uh, Dustin of Thrice is re has really great uh, mic technique where, like, if he needs there to be a part that's more reverby, he'll, you know, he'll get up and he'll yell and then he'll come back. Mm -hmm. Or if it needs to be, like, super ambient, he'll sing louder but further away from the mic. Yeah. So it's still triggering the reverb. And I I just feel like it gives it, you know, just a slightly different color. Yeah. No, I, I think a lot of guys don't fully understand um, yeah. mic technique. So when I'm sending to a, a, a snare reverb, which we'll, we'll cover in more detail later, I like to overdrive it a little bit because I just feel that it it gives it this separation but it also glues it together at the same time where it doesn't sound like just a totally washed out reverby snare drum it, yeah. it just it has i don't know just another characteristic to the song do that... you do any uh any pre-delay on your reverb there so that you're you're hitting that direct <coughs> signal first and then then the reverb or yeah with that sender you just no pre-delay because that's essentially your your reverb sound with that dry snare uh no i'm usually pre-delaying a reverb uh, and it just depends on... Yeah, it depends on the song, but... Yeah. Um, you know, faster songs, but really short pre-delay. Mm -hmm. I found that, for whatever reason, I like numbers that end in 7 for my pre-delay. So either 7, <laughs> 17, 27, or 37. No idea why. Just, it's just the way just that... Vibes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I do I do a similar thing. Like, like a with... 37 millisecond pre-delay on a vocal delay. Mm-hmm. Especially live, it's just... Mwah. I do fives. Or, uh, 
vocal reverb. If it's a slower jam, if it's quicker, it's obviously. I like fives for my delays. They'll be like. That's fair. Like 35 milliseconds, 55 milliseconds, 75. Yeah, I don't know why the sevens work, but it just. Yeah, hey. There's something for the way I approach it that just, I always feel that it just locks it in. Yeah. All right, so let's start off with with just the snare itself. So, not that we haven't already started, but right. let's, let's, let's rewind Focus. here. The snare itself. So yeah. Talk to me. Talk to me. Obviously. <laughs> the... <laughs> so I'll, let me, as as not a drummer, right. I'm a, I'm a, we're going to phrase this as if I'm interviewing you. All right. When you're picking out a snare drum, um, what what are you looking for? You know, so like if we're going to go, I think a lot of the people that are going to listen to us kind of listen to, we'll just call it rock music. We won't go to the extremes of metal. Right. We'll just call right. it rock music. You know, I think, uh, who's, I think, you know, Foo Fighters are kind of there in the middle where they're not yeah. heavy. They're not. But so... How do you go picking the material for the snare? You know, wood snare, metal snare. You know, there's all kinds yeah, of different ones. Um, what are the What do you get from those so, different materials? Brief synopsis, and I said this in the kick drum episode, but it's true for all types of wood. Uh, maple is your good, like your middle ground. Like it's got a little bit of low end. Maybe there's just a tiny scoop in the mids naturally, and some like nice high end. But it's just a good like. It is your SM57 of woods. Like it is just. You can tune it to get the attack, or you can tune it to get the warmth. Like, if you can only get one drum set, you know, or one snare, and you need it to do your blues gig, your metal gig, whatever, like, Maple is your friend. It's most um, versatile. You can kind of get a lot out of it. There's nothing it can't do, really. Uh, birch is, you know, a little more attacky because it's a harder wood. Okay. Um, you know, maybe has less mids. No, sorry, uh... Birch would probably have extended lows, a mid bump, and a high bump. So it's basically just like, imagine like a more harmonically rich maple, if that makes okay. sense. Like, you know, it's just, it's maple on steroids, but maybe, <laughs> maybe has, you know, it's just, it's. And for our next video, we yeah. are going to buy anabolic steroids and inject them into yeah. snare drums and see what happens. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's a souped up maple. Like, it's a okay. harder wood. It's got more punch. It's got more attack, but it's still pretty versatile. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe not, it's not your smooth jazz cocktail kit wood of choice. Cause it's, it's got a little more of that, that, that. Yeah. If you're it. going, you know, pop, like a dense pop mix mm -hmm. or rock or even, you know, some of the modern country stuff where you just need it to cut. Birch is your friend. Uh, mahogany is one of my favorites. It's a little warmer. Uh, the high end is a little more subdued. It's got, you know a pretty big bump in the low mid, so it's warm, but not in the boxiness, kind of below that. Okay. Um, and then it's got a pretty big boost in the low end. I really feel like I never really get a lot of boxiness out of snares. I feel like that's really a, a, a more of a kick drum tom thing. It's I a tuning thing, least. too, yeah. Um, I feel like I rarely ever run into that whole yeah. um, 400 to 600 hertz yeah. kind of boxy thing. Yeah, so those are your wood drums. Obviously, like there's babinga and oak and all that yeah, stuff too. You know, look, look it up. Uh, Babinga's got, you know, just that body and that heft. A lot of low end. And that sounds cool. Yeah, it, it's fun to say. Um, you know, so then you got your metal drums. Uh, steel uh, cuts the most. You I know. really like steel drums. I really, really like yeah. steel snares. Steel snares. Slipknot. You yeah. Know, that kind of ringy like cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like aluminum or aluminium, as our British friends say. Uh, it's kind of similar to steel, but it's kind of it's drier, so it doesn't have as much of a ring. Um, think 
Uh, the Ludwig Acrylites are aluminum. So, you know, it, uh, I think Bonham used an aluminum one. Um, I feel like that's that's one of the things that I, I think that's uh, the ringiness. The ringiness yeah. of snares is something that used to be, you brought up Bonham. Uh-huh. A lot of those old 60s, 70s, there's a lot of ringiness in the snares. Yeah, they were either super All ringy sudden, or super dead. Like the 80s came around and with, you, you know. get the fireworks reverb on the drum. Yeah, yeah. And then the 80s came around and it was like, you know, we went to this really like muted dead snare sound. Fat with a lot of white noise. Yeah. Um, and then the 90s was still kind of, not so much, but it brought a little bit of life back to it, but it was still just mostly crack, you know? Yeah. And not the drug. That was the 80s still. I like a, I like um, a cracky snare. And I feel like up until recently, again, like, like I said, like the whole attack thing, there was no, <clears throat> there was no ringiness to drums, whereas I find a lot of these recordings that I, I like in, in yeah. the more denser mixes, you might not necessarily notice the ringiness, but if you, if you are able to dissect it, and if you have a chance... Um, I've found at least through like some of the the stems and files I've got, I was like, oh wow, it's a really ringy snare. And it's mm. it helps to cut through a mix so that you might not notice it in the mix that it's ringy, but that ringiness, that yeah, that that extra harmonic content is helping the rest of it cut through. Um, and I think that's it's really important yeah, to realize I... the things that you're not necessarily hearing, mm. but that are allowing you to hear more detail. Mm. I learned doing this playlist that I will. I, in the mix, I like ringier snares than I do when I'm sitting behind a drum kit. Yeah. It's strange. Uh, uh, your brass and your bronze are similar to steel, uh, but they got more of a body and more of like a punch to them. Um, uh, you know, uh, Nevermind by Nirvana was done on a Tama Bell brass. Okay. Danny Carey of Tool uses a bronze snare drum these days. I, you know, those are like... The creme de la creme of fucking snare drums. We uh, should uh, we should do a part two of this and bring bring Andy in. Yeah. And talk about snares because he's got a collection. Yeah, I need to expand my my snare collection. I'd uh, to see you two argue about snares. I feel like Andy's the kind of guy I wouldn't argue about no, snares with. I feel like argue. yeah, he would just tell you that you're wrong. That's fair. Like, yeah. Tama. <laughs> yeah. But um, all right. How about snare sizes? Yeah. Um, big misconception in the snare size game uh, I size feel. misconceptions yeah i think we all know about that hey hello all my exes <laughs> yeah yeah um this whole episode could be filled with puns but we're talking about wood so sizes. bad you, yeah you're welcome you're welcome everybody that we're not doing that we could easily we could easily fall into that but, but we're not we're better than that we are yeah we're waiting till episode four slash three to go to the gutter yeah, exactly subsection d uh-huh. wink D for drum, yeah, D I get it. D for drum, it. exactly, yeah. Yeah, you know, you just gotta bang it out sometimes. Six know? inch, six inch, <laughs> six inch snare drum, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Actually, I'd love to hear that. That'd probably sound really cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, six is probably your middle ground for depth as it's far as snare size, drums right? go. Yeah, yeah, your average depth. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, uh, there's there's too much variation. As far as, like, material and sizes to, like, cover it in one podcast yeah. episode. Um, but but just in general, are smaller in what? Smaller diameter? Is that they measured in diameter or circumference? Diameter. Diameter. Is yeah. smaller diameter more likely to give you a higher pitch sound? Yeah, I mean. A wider, a, a bigger diameter, more lower. More lower, Same yeah. Same thing with a, like a, toms, a deeper yeah. drummer. A deeper drummer. A deeper <laughs> drum is going to give you a lower sound versus a more shallow drum. Not necessarily true, because the true. yeah, that's a misconception that's in the show notes. So like the real fat, like dead, like eighty sound mm-hmm. is that everyone will buy like 
eight inch deep snare drums mm-hmm. and then they'll wonder why they can't get the punch out of the like the low tune snare mm-hmm. and if you think about it it's just physics because in order for the snare to make the sound the wires have to rattle yeah so if you have it tuned soupy low like and you hit it it's got to go there's no tension so however the physics actually work it's just going to take longer for the sound pressure to travel down the drum because they're lower frequency waves and they take yeah. longer to form and it's you know it's got a further so if you take if you want the really fat snare get a five and a half or a five and just finger tight that thing now is a five and a half or five how, where in relation is that like your average size uh depth or is that more of a shallow depth five I would say five to six and a half is kind of your standard That's like the your standard, standard depth. So okay. you got five, five and a half, six, and six and a half. All of those are pretty neutral sounding. Anything shorter than that, then you're getting into like your piccolo drum okay. territory. Um, I don't really dig really shallow snares. Um, oh, then you're not gonna like. My, my first snare on the list, actually. There's some that... Actually, no, you are. I know you like this there snare. There are some <laughs> that are cool, but yeah. for the most, like, if I had my druthers, I would pick, like... I don't know. Um, it wouldn't be your snare that you'd be like, hey, you could probably use this in a lot of different, as- in a lot yeah, of different scenarios. It, especially for, like, home recording and, like, mm-hmm. versatility aspect. You generally want you a know. pretty flat, in-the-middle snare because then you have a little more room to maneuver. Yeah, get a five and a half. or I, I would recommend a 14 by 6 of whatever yeah. your preferred choice is. Uh, obviously, the drummer's going to have theirs, but it's good to just have a good middle-of-the-road snare to cover all of your bases like if you only had to pick one whereas like my base in a snare yeah the uh, the weird you know the the more specific depths you almost get to the point where it's kind of one trick pony um i think that you have the collection if you have the ability if your drummer does come in and he's like hey man i got all these different snares yeah test them all out yeah test them all out exactly yeah so like i think a lot of something that happens is, is drummers will typically tune their drums too high their snares too high. Okay. Because uh, it feels good to have the tension and the rebound. So that's when, you know, maybe you do consider a deeper snare if you want it tuned slightly higher. Um, that's something I like. Um, I don't know if you... I, I sent you those files for that album that I'm working mm-hmm. on. And I don't know if you noticed, but you played drums on one of them. I did, yes. I was like, oh, I think that's my drum take. Yeah. Um, dude, those drums... I remember we tracked this here. We tracked this mm-hmm. in the next room over. I was blown away. I mean, that was like almost three years ago that we tracked those. Yeah. And, dude, that snare sounds amazing. Like, I didn't use any samples yep, that's on, a... on that that session that I sent you. That whole that whole record, there are no samples on it. I'm pretty proud of. But, dude, your snare drum on that sounds amazing. It's a 14 by 6 inch mahogany poplar Gretsch snare. I actually just fixed that snare up so uh, the other week. So, based on, obviously, it's mixed, and so I did a lot of EQing. Right. But what, how how was that tune? Just for my my knowledge, was that a lower tuning? Was that kind of just in the middle? Was that high tuned? Well, it was a higher tuned snare, but I had a really thick head on it, oh, okay. so it lowers the pitch okay. as well. I, I thought it was. I love that. It's one of those uh, the Evans Kevlar heads. Oh, okay. Um, so you could the thing I like about it is you could really crank it up, mm-hmm. 
and it still gives you a really low note because Kevlar is fucking thick. So it's great okay, for like nice. heavy rim shot based rock stuff. Yeah, I mean, because that thing cracked. That thing yeah. was like pow, pow. Uh, awesome. Another big thing is just the amount of wires on the bottom of the drum, too. I find that uh, drum stock usually come with like 16 or 20. Mm-hmm. And for what I like in a snare, it's just not enough. Okay. Because um, it makes the snare sound too drummy. Oh, I, I, you I know what I mean. mean? Whereas, yeah. like, I'll put, um, depending, they don't make them for 13s because my, my favorite snare that in my rotation is a 13 by six and a half. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has 30 snare wires on the bottom. Okay. Whereas my 14s, I like to have, they have one that has 40 or 42. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, to me, the snare should sound like a snare. Oh, so, no, I, I agree. I, yeah, I think. I feel like a lot of times you can kind of get away with the toms and the kick drum being a little similar, mm-hmm. um, just different pitches in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it's gonna sound different because you've got a beater versus a drumstick hitting hitting those. But the snare, I, I feel like if your snare sounds too similar to the other drums, I, I, that I always have a problem. Yeah. With that. It doesn't matter how good that snare ends up sounding. Mm-hmm. If then when I start hearing the other drums and I can't really tell the difference, yeah. I get I get really like. Ugh, yeah. Out. If the uh, if the snare wires aren't balanced or if they're choked out. Or if there's just not enough, the snare almost sounds like it's just like you hit it and it just goes doink, doink, we should, um, doink. Marzi's getting ready to, we're finishing up some some writing mm-hmm. sessions and we're going to be recording some singles. We should uh, we should do a, a video shoot and have you come in and uh, work with Andy on. Yeah. We'll do a, a day of, we'll do a, we'll film it, we'll do some filming of the whole thing. Drum we'll fil- nerd stuff. Yeah, yeah, but we'll use, uh, we can use the, the Marzi recording sessions, we can shoot some videos and yeah. kind of. Use those to break down some some cool stuff with guitar yeah. tone, bass tone, and, and these drum things, and really go through a whole like, hey, we're gonna <coughs> show you how to change drum heads. Like mm-hmm. we'll show you, this is Adam's approach to yeah. you know why he's choosing this. This is what, you know, we can go from the, the perspective of like, hey, me yeah. and Andy are looking for this sound, and then we'll use you as the the the, the guide, the teacher. Yeah. Uh, Namaste. Anyone out there, you know, because we're not gonna have time to just talk about because oh, <clears throat> I'm choking on coffee grounds. Not gonna have time to talk about it all today. Uh, Look up Kenny Sherritt's on YouTube. Like, he's a drum tech wizard. If you need to learn how to tune a drum, he's got your back. He has yeah. so many series on, like, here's how you tune a 13 by 7 maple snare, or here's how you tune a 14 by 6.5 Ludwig Acrylite. Like, dude just knows drums. Yeah. It'll awesome. be, I don't want to just rehash and steal his content. Like, that's oh, his bread yeah. and butter. He's a, you know, he's been good to me when we've talked. Like, check him out. Like who uh, who does he tech for? Everybody and anybody. Everybody and everybody. He was with uh, he was on tour with Elvis Costello when I met him. Ooh. Uh, he just did the Dead and Company tour. He was with Stevie Wonder back in the day for a while. Uh, he was with Train for a while back in the day. Hey Soul Sister, yeah, how you doing? I'm pretty sure Kenny said that tour bought me a house. You ever heard? Of a drummer who bought a house? <laughs> you heard of a drummer? <laughs> uh, yeah, his resume is impressive. Awesome. Um, so definitely yeah. check him out, people. I will link to his channel in our YouTube description and our playlist, uh, the info of wherever you get your pods. I'll, I'll drop a link. Um, shout out, Kenny Sherritts. Love you. Uh, All right, so how about... Ooh, throwing my pen everywhere. Should we get some microphones now? Should we talk about miking a snare? Uh, well, let's talk about some treatment that's next on, you know, damping and muffling. Ooh, okay, if you're, cool. you know, your snare is too ringy. Uh, there's a couple ways, you know. Moon gel is a classic. I like to cut them in half or quarters. They get so gross after a while, though. 
Yeah, I don't really start use them to anymore. Like leak. Oh god, I touched a snare drum one time that yeah. I had someone there. I was like, uh, and the moon gel had like completely disintegrated off it. So you it leave just it out in the heat. Sticky substance. So it's and just, I was. And it looks like blue jello. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was real gross. Yeah. I mean, you know, use them. They make clear ones, which is, I guess, a slight improvement because then there's not blue like yeah. residue squares on your drums. Um, you can make a gaff tape tent. Ah, yeah. Which yep. is my go-to. So you oh, take yeah, a, a lot of snares and toms. A four or six-inch strip of gaff tape, and you know, you either you know, if it's flat for the video viewers, you just kind of you know fold it in on itself so it sticks together, and then you leave two little fins on the side, and you just yeah, you almost create like a little tag that you can grab onto. Yeah, and that's easier, so you don't have to like when you peel it off of your drums. I'll usually do, I'll do a double tent mm-hmm. on one side, and then a single on like. Completely opposite of yeah. the drum. I um I used actually a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember what the actual brand of it was, but it was one of those um one of those like thin plasticky pads almost. I can't mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was. I think it was called like a big shot, big like, fat snare drum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that blew my mind. I thought like those when I saw are... that I was like that's gimmicky as hell. Like but no, they're great. The, the snare it was crazy. Like we 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 had it on at first and I was like oh my god that sounds amazing. That snare drum sounds amazing. And I yeah. asked the guy I was like hey Dave. I was like, let's take that. Let's just take it off real quick and let's see what it sounds like. It completely changed the tone of that. Snare oh yeah, drum. I mean, it sounded like a different snare drum. I was I was blown away by how just putting that on there. Yeah, and those are great because you can tune the snare up to uh-huh. the tension point that feels good to the the rebound of the, your drumstick hitting the drum head. But then it also makes it you know kind of fatter. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely recommend those because I think I think it's really like twenty bucks. Yeah, I think it's really important to have some of those those little. They might seem like gimmicky devices, but yeah. If it one, if it saves you time in the studio, because a lot of bands don't have the budget, yeah. and they might not have the budget to sit there, and you take five hours to really experiment with the drums, and mm-hmm. sometimes you get guys that are just like, no, I refuse to to change. I don't want to tune my drum, or I don't have fresh heads. And it's like if you've got these things, like, hey, let me just put this on your drum real quick. Most guys, they're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's weird how they can be, but yeah. just throwing something like that on there, yeah. is, you can. It's, it's awesome. You can hack that too. It won't give you the same effect, but take an old drum head and just. Exacto knife it yeah, out the, from the the aluminum ring, and or even if it's the same size, just turn one upside down. You can put a piece of paper on a snare drum. And basically, uh, that's kind of the same premise, yeah. principle as like your Kevlar head, where you're just creating a thicker head, basically mm-hmm. by putting that on there. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, I mean, I guess it would be similar to the 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 big fat snare drums, yeah. which I need to get one of those. I have some old drum heads that I've like cut a circle out of the middle of or cut like a triangle. One of my favorite sounds is you uh, take a glass plate and you put it on the snare. (laughs) That first shot, it it only works one time, but that sound, you get a real nice crack out of it. I mean, you know, even with Nick, you've seen, I'll do a bandana and I'll just... I love that. I'll just binder clip it to the side and it just kind of like, you lay it on there gently and when you hit it, it'll kind of jump up and then just... Yeah, I've learned, just by watching you and performing with you, I've, I've, I've taken to 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 mind and heart like some really interesting ideas of just putting different things on different material on top of the snare yeah. completely changes the sound of it it's incredible you can go to the dollar store and get a bandana for a dollar and then you can get a pack of binder clips also for a dollar so for two bucks you have a deader fatter snare i um i did a in the same drum recording recently um Fortunately, and this isn't going to work for a lot more busy or technical stuff. Now, it can if you if you are inclined to break down the parts and do different mm-hmm. sections. And so for the chorus of this song, you know, it's very much, it was just washing the rhyme. It was just a... Yep. So just a very simple beat. beat. 
And so in his left hand, I had him use a thicker drumstick because yeah. we wanted the we wanted that more light kind of uh, airy, airy feel sound. for the yeah. cymbal. And then, but then we used a thick drumstick for that snare, and then we had him shot. do rim shot, yep. and it was just. Oh my god, it was a cannon. And so then the, we broke it down to the parts because then the other part of the song, hmm. he is using the the toms, and so then we did the regular yeah. drumsticks. But then that itself created a, a dynamic lift in the song where yep. you know you're still using the same tuning, the same drum, so you don't have that weird thing that can happen if you all of a sudden change the tuning of the drum or something like that. Yeah. It's just thicker stick. Um, so it was it was really cool. So yeah, uh, you could go to Lowe's or he- Home Depot and get uh, adhesive backed like weather stripping. And you just kind of tear it off, like the stuff you put around like windows or your mm-hmm. or your doors or whatever. Just tear it off and stick it on there. And at the end of the day, just rip it off. You know, it muffles yeah. the drum head. Uh, don't use duct tape. Yeah, <laughs> just don't. <laughs> yeah, don't unless you're unless you're already gonna throw that head away at the end. of Yeah, the day. still no don't. No duct tape. Um, That's gross. I mean, help. You know the the tried and true just. Put your wallet on the snare if you need it dead a little bit. It it okay, sounds ridiculous. Oh, it's it <laughs> works not just bounce around everywhere. Cause I'm carrying stacks, bro. <laughs> All that Patreon money <laughs> that you guys are supposed to give to us, subscribe Patreon.com/slash Reflections Artist Collective. What make an them, advert. <laughs> make them snares as fat as my wallet, exactly. or wallet as fat as we my want snares. To make enough money that we can fill a twenty-inch deep snare drum. I mean, you know, you're. You're not putting money in the drum. You're just putting the wallet but on the drum. Could. We, we could. We could. If you guys want to see that, donate. <laughs> donate. Help us out. Uh, yeah, no, it works. It sounds ridiculous, but just throw a wallet on there. It'll choke it out just enough. All right, we're, we're totally going to shoot that on mm-hmm. video. So when we do when we do this recording session, we'll be like, all right, all right, guys, for this, we need a real thick snare stand. Here we go. Grab your wallet. Who's got the fattest wallet? Yeah, what other, uh, you know, sheet of paper. You could roll up some... Some paper towels or toilet paper in the gas. I've tape actually and... done the paper trick, yeah. and it does create because it does rip the paper. Mm-hmm. But it and so like all joking aside about that, but there is this sound that comes. You know, it's not gonna last long. So you rip <sighs> the paper. But if you've ever taken like a sheet of paper and you kind of snap it, you yeah. know, and it, it does that little pop sound. Yeah, it does. Something. You can kind of pick that up a little bit mm-hmm. in, in snare recordings. It's kind of cool. Yeah, put some small tambourines or something on it, or jingly jang like. Yeah, you know? just jingly jangly. Jingly <laughs> just whip out your jingly janglies. You know, whatever, you're allowed to be creative in the, pro- like, just because you're not in a big fancy studio doesn't mean you can't do, like, cool stuff. And I feel like that's the key thing. I feel Put like a splash symbol on the snare drum. I feel like we've done a lot more creative stuff because we're not in a yeah. big recording studio. I got into a conversation with a guy, I think it was, like, right before the pandemic. He had uh, moved into a space at the rehearsal building that I was using for a group. Mm. And I got to talk with him. He's like, oh, an engineer. He's like, I used to be out in L.A., and, you know, he pretty much right out of engineering school got this internship at this studio. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty big it's – a, it's a really nice big studio in, yeah. in L.A. And so I was chit-chatting with him, and I was, I was bringing up ideas. I was talking to him about some of the approaches that I have. And he was just like, yeah, man, I just – you know, I hate being in this room that I have. He's like, because you just can't get any good sounds. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like – and he was very um, – I'm going to say it nicely, but he was very uh, – stuck up and obnoxious because it's just like he had never gone through that process that a lot of us go through of having to do home recording yeah having to be like hey i'm going to show up to your band's rehearsal space and record you that's the only way we can do it because my mom won't let me record in the basement today or or something you know everybody's gone through that but this guy hadn't and as as awesome of an opportunity that must have been for him to work in that studio it's like now he's a little bit jaded and he just doesn't realize that it's like Mm -hmm. well dude like you know of course you can get a great sound by putting your vocals through an actual LA two A like that's 
You know, yeah. that's awesome. Of There's no way it's down. not awesome. Yeah, I mean, even if you smash the hell out of but it. But I'm not spending $3,000 on one compressor. Yeah, like, oh, I can't. But yeah. And and so the same thing with the snare drum. It's just like, yeah, I mean, if, you've, if you're in a studio where you've got a collection of 50 or, you know, maybe not 50, but 15, like, $1,000 snare drums, you're like, these are the greatest of all time. Like, yeah. Yeah, go for it. But if you don't have that, Figure it out. Yeah. There's so many things you can do. Just experiment. You know, take a little bit of the the resonant head of the snare is very important to the tuning. Um, now, for people who don't know, the resonant head is the the bottom head, head that the snare wires are rested on. Um, just look again. I'll plug him. Look up Kenny Sheritz. He on his YouTube channel. He will show you how to balance snare wires. You know, you kind of want them in the center of the drum and not pulling one way or the other. So then they're not like cocked to one side or whatever um i'm not going to give specific tuning intervals because there's too much variables in snare drums and tone to start off with i i would just say just tune it till it sounds good yeah when it sounds good in the mic because i think that's the other Mm. thing you got to remember too is that like it won't if if you know the key of the song Mm -hmm. tune the snare to whatever the keys of the song is in yeah. High or low. If you're playing in the key of G, tune your snare to a G. If you're playing in the key of D, tune it to a D. That could be a higher register D, a middle D, or a low D. Yeah, you got a couple octaves you can yeah. work with there. But that that's kind of my fail-safe go-to, is mm-hmm. having the snare. And you don't have to memorize it. I don't really know the keys because I'm not, a, you know, I don't really play anything that melodic. But I have the circle of fifths on my phone, and I have a tune bot, and I have on my notebook what... You know, note is in each key and yeah. where I like drums. And then I have, in in a note app, I just have the intervals of each drum or each, you know, we'll get to it in the Tom episode, but there are tuning intervals in Toms that mm-hmm. are tried and true. So I'll just have the intervals of each key and like what drum works for what note and then the interval of that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That'll be fun to get into. Mm. Now we're so, going to move on to microphones. Should we do microphones now? Yeah. I think that rambling kind of covered enough. I would love to be more specific, but there's just so yeah, There's much. a lot. There's, there's, just... there's a lot, but I think it's just mainly important that it's, you know, it the, all starts off yeah. with, you know, type of snare drum you're using, the head. The head is so important. Also, yeah. I really like, you know, if you're going for an explosive, cracky snare drum, you need a fresh head. If you're going for a more... I'll call it this more electronic snare drum sound, you know, that 80 sound, you need maybe a deader head, you know, something that's not going to ring out as much. Mm -hmm. Um, Use, use whatever materials you can, you know, to, to help adjust your snare sound. If you're not getting it with whatever drum you have, Um, those are all the most important things. And then here we go with the microphones. You only need a 57. You only ever need a 57. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm, I'm a notorious 57 on snare, not a fan, but, it's you know? it's not like amazing. It's not the greatest thing ever. But if you use a fifty-seven on the snare, you can do a lot. You know, I think there are other. We'll talk. We'll get ready to talk. I about will some say other this because I made a note. Mm-hmm. If a drummer brings in a snare drum that no longer has coating, don't just don't even try it. Like <laughs> unless you're going for like an avant-garde jazzy kind of thing. Like, if bro, you got to put a fresh like, head on there. dude, no. Like yeah. I will give you twenty bucks. And you're go you yourself are going to the music store. This is gonna save me hours and hours and yeah. hours of mixing time. Like, because yeah. I've had that. We've had that happen before. Oh yeah, yeah. It's- I've had it happen working on an album 
in a legit studio situation. Yeah. I was like, I looked at the guy, and I think I just said, bro. <laughs> That's a bro. No. Always, That guy yeah. had some problems. I definitely, whenever you're working with a, with a client, when you first start working, of course, always you know, have if, a conversation with the buyer. If you could only afford one drum head, put it on a snare. Yeah. You know, include these kind of things in their budget. You know, not that you're going to pay for it and they're going to pay you back, but just let them know, like, <clears throat> hey, here's what it's going to cost to hire me. Here are these things that, like, I you ha- need, I need you to do. I need you to do these things. So, you know, uh, plan for you need to have new strings on your guitar when you come in. You know, you yes. need to have new bass strings. You need to have, you know, fresh drum heads. You know, here are some heads that I recommend. Yeah. You know, kind of, you if know, you as can, an engineer, yeah, and learn can, those things, you know. Like I said, if you can only afford one new drum head, the snare head, like, that's the most important. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff for guitar that we'll talk about yeah. in that aspect of, like, certain strings and gauges, what type of bridge on your guitar. Yeah. And so there's you know. so many snare heads out there. Do your research. I'm sure we'll do an episode on it down and the I mean, line. I mean, heck, if, you, if you're at a point where you can afford to stock up on some of these things that then maybe yeah. you put into the budget for the band that the band then when you when you're making your when you're when you're outlining yeah. the cost of things saying hey you know I have drum heads I have drum heads here that I like to use they cost this much I'm going to put that into my charges here so that they yeah. don't have to worry about going out and buying them it's mm-hmm. just but they know up front that hey like yeah. that's a cost there $30 whatever yeah. it might be buy you um, know if have strings have have yeah. those kind of things I don't. think that could be a real that could be a selling point yeah. for you a lot of bands might at first, I think a lot of times fans might be hesitant, but when they hear the results, mm-hmm. they will go, "Oh my god!" And yeah. then when they talk about you, as, as like, "Yeah, he's got drum heads and strings that like you know, it caught, you know, we paid for him, but like he's they're already got them there, yeah. and they're on hand, and it's really cool, and we just do it right then and there." Yeah. It takes a lot of that that responsibility off the band themselves because yeah. they just want to play their music. They just they don't most bands don't understand really anything about mm-hmm. the recording process. They just think yeah. you're sticking up mics, and they don't yeah. think about all these little things. So. As much as you can provide and do mm-hmm. for them beforehand, they're going to look at you and be like, this guy's a god. Yeah. Like, if you have... Okay. I'm going to interview... I have a question for you now. Ooh. If you were budgeting to buy a snare for your home recording studio, give me your budget range. I'm going to spend from X to Y. And we'll exclude used... Like, out of the box, I'm going to spend... How much would I spend? What would what, what I would reasonably like reasonably obviously if i could afford the three thousand dollar vk yeah. cast bronze um, snare i'm so buying it. where i'm at right now so it's you know i think coming from a place of not being a total beginner but not mm-hmm. being a seasoned veteran right i would i also don't really know how much drums cost so just, I'm gonna, just I'm throw, throw out, out a of, number i would say probably between five and eight hundred dollars is what i that's would go fair. for a for a a snare that's going to be you know my my battle snare if right. you will that's going to be like yo i could use this on every record Right. And find one that I really like. I'd say 500 to 800. Yeah. And I would say spend you know, if you can afford an $800 snare, you might be able to find on the used market that snare for like 400 bucks. Yeah. But spend your lower amount of money like hit low on that price range. Like I'm going to spend 500 bucks and then just spend 150 bucks on different snare drum heads. Yeah. And you can charge your clients, but then you have the options, you know. The snare sounds good, but if it's got this single ply Remo, eh, I'm not super familiar with Remo. I don't know why I, I threw like them Remo out. Um, I think uh, we used their, is it their no, power, Imperial, power something on our recent recording. reverse. No, that's the Evans one. Power it center. Was something Emperor. We used something Emperor, and it's like real thick yeah. sounding. <clears throat> you know. Okay, so I I like Evans. They've I've never had a problem with them. 
that's just I'm brand loyal to Evans. They sound great. Um, I, I love Evans. Heads. So you know, if you're like, I bought this snare and it's got the Evans G2 on it, but it's too ringy. We're like, well, I spent the 15 bucks and now I have an Evans uh, ST Dry, which has the little portholes around the side. So it's just gonna eliminate some of that ring. Like that's gonna get you further than being like, I need to spend five to eight hundred dollars on another snare that's slightly less ringy. Oh, like, yeah, no, I definitely think changing the drum heads, yeah. changing the sticks, changing just the way that having the drummer hit it differently, yeah. you're going to get so much more than just buying another snare drum. Yeah. So, you know, don't don't max out your budget on one snare drum. Like, yeah. buy something. You know, make sure it's good. Like, it has to be above a certain standard. Yeah, don't don't spend 50 bucks on a, on a cheap, <coughs> no-name, DW, yeah. Toys R Us brand snare <laughs> Or do, or do, and make it sound awesome. Yeah, and make then get it back unique. To us. There, I almost, you know, I like going to antique shops because sometimes you'll find a deal, and there's sometimes I regret not buying the super like beat up snare drum because it was just fat. Mm-hmm. But it was like right towards the end of COVID, where it's just like I have money, but I don't know the next time I'm gonna make money, yeah. so I'm not gonna spend this. And I'm just like, I should drive back and see if they have it. <laughs> I'm down. But yeah, like you know, it's it's. A very cost of having extra snare heads on hand is a very cost effective way to alter the sound of the snare because it is the arguably the most important drum. Yeah, I agree. Tonally, because there's so many options. Tonally, bro. So now we can talk about microphones. Yeah, I honestly, my my thing I've been doing recently is one the I, the 57. I dude, I watch so many videos and I see mm-hmm. so many do a lot of the. Uh, I don't know if I can name them. Nail the mix. We'll bleep that yeah. out if we have to. But, I don't uh, think we have I, to. You know, they'll talk about that on the on when they break it down. They're like, "Oh yeah, I used a fifty-seven. Like so many mm-hmm. times. Granted, within that genre, there's a heavy, heavy sampling involved. Yeah. So um, it's... I my my method of approach for most rock and heavier is I really try to go for the direct snare sound. It is the drummer snare, and all <clears> I'll <throat> use is maybe a room sample. Right. Yeah. Um, I really I prefer that because I, again, the snare is so it gives so much personality to the drum mm-hmm. kit. Um, whereas a lot of other things I think can kind of, kind of sound similar, but the snare, it's like, that's so much of the personality. Uh, and then like you said, the symbols. Um, so I think the 57 just gives you a really nice flat place to maneuver from. But recently I've been doing the whole, uh, SM57 small diaphragm condenser. Um, I've been using the warm audio, uh, 84, the the KM184 clone, um, I gotta get one of those clips. I ordered one of those clips where like you only have to use one clip and clips yep. it together, and it puts the diaphragms like perfectly in phase. Um, but I love that combo. That's been really That's cool. Um, that just the there's something about the warm audio where it almost sounds like it's compressing itself a little bit. I don't know what's going on, but it has just this very very crisp attack to it that adds a lot of adds a lot more life. The 57 is just very flat. Yeah, it's dull, but you can do a lot with it. Whereas mm-hmm. the the small diaphragm condenser adds that that life, that excitement right. to it. I think that you can blend in. Um, how about you? I know you, uh, you're not a fan of this 57, so what are some other options? It, I, yeah, I, I probably rag on shore more than I should, but it's like, you know. Considering you're talking into one right now. Yeah, I, I just think I, I use the 57 so much, like, all the time live that. I mean, it's the go-to live. Most people doubt. would think, like, you just know how to work it, but it's just, like, it's boring, you know? Mm-hmm. No, like, it, is, it is boring, but. To me, at least, because I have to use it all the time. There's also this weird, like, I I was, and it's the same uh, sound podcast that I, I mentioned that we stole this, like, 
going down the input list thing from, and it was the one of the hosts of uh, Live Sound Bootcamp said, like, pretty much all professional microphones sound good directionally talking into it, but what makes the difference between a good pro microphone and a great pro microphone is what the off-axis spill or bleed mm-hmm. going into the microphone sounds like. And I feel like with the Shores, there's just so much 1K like yeah. in the not directional sound of it that like, you know, we're not recording the guys with like the best finesse behind the drum kit, mm-hmm. Andy excluded. And I'm not knocking these you know, the players that we're recording, but they, they're just, you know, they're not recording themselves all the time, so they don't... They don't know. Yeah. They just don't know. They don't... They're not, and I'm not they don't gonna... He- they're not hearing themselves in that context. Ever. Yeah, and I'm not gonna fault anybody for not knowing something that they're unaware of. Um, so... That's, that's our job as producers and engineers is to inform them of this stuff to be like, hey, yeah, you know, this is happening, we need you to do this. And there's a lot of good, useful information in a snare in, like, the 1K area, but if you're not recording the most balanced player, the 57, I feel... You have to EQ some of that 1K out because, like, you're just getting this, like, telephonic hi-hat sound in there. Yeah, um, I wanted to – we definitely need to talk about that before we end is with snare drums comes yeah. hi-hat, and that's – yeah. So we'll, Going to happen no matter what. Yeah, no um, made let's, – let's talk about that after this. But, um, so, I, you know, uh, a tighter polar pattern snare drum will – or not snare drum. <laughs> a tighter polar pattern mic on your snare drum will be your friend. Uh, I recently bought – the Bayer Dynamic M201, and I just, I may never use another snare mic again. I haven't used that yet. I need to, I'm gonna... <clears throat> Some people feel it's a little dark, but mm-hmm. I like that, because like I said, with kick drums, I would rather EQ in attack and brightness mm-hmm. than have to EQ out attack and brightness. Yeah. Um, it captures the the puff of the snare drum really well, like almost... Not in, like, an annoying, like, plosively, like, way, but, like, you know, you hear a snare drum close and there's some air that moves off the top oh, head. yeah. And I feel like this captures it in an, you know it when you hear it, but it, you can't explain it. Uh-huh. Like, there's just, yeah, it just, if I feel like it records the air coming off of the snare That's drum cool. really well. Um, It's a little pricey. I think they usually go for... 300 or so which is out of the range for most people i said i had a bad day and i was like i'm buying this because i deserve it um that sounds like a bad habit yeah form but i love it and i'm gonna (laughs) encourage it (laughs) oh believe me you should see phoenix i'm feeling really bad today so i bought us another camera hey just clip that mic um that's fine (laughs) If you want to get close to the buyer sound but you don't have 300 bucks the se electronics v7x is their uh instrument version of the v7 um this is now that looks like that probably has a a, a wider diaphragm than a, a 57 then no than the than the buyer yeah uh they're one of them super cardioid and one of them's hypercardioid and i don't remember which okay. one's which this one's the tighter the buyer has the tighter polar pattern super okay. or hyper I, I think it's hyper isn't it look at us don't, i, no, I no don't remember anything. i i don't remember everyone's just like they just lost all credibility um, Look at that. That's pretty. Yeah. Um, it's 10 bucks more than a 57. Oh, nice. And I like it probably 10 times more than the 57. Dude, those those SEs, man. We we did a lot of cool stuff early on with those. Yeah. And this is new. We didn't have this back then. Um, yeah. Yeah, I bought I this. In general, their, that yeah. brand has done I, some good I, yeah. work for us. I bought this because I wanted the buyer sound 
but didn't want to. And it wasn't. Didn't want to buy or. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, I like the Audix i5. Um, I really don't love it for home recording snare. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is a little too bright. I love the Audix D6 on, on a snare. snare. That does sound I, killer. It is awesome. Now, honestly, I've I've done some recordings where I put like three or four mics on the snare drum yeah. if I can fit them, and if I feel <laughs> confident that the player's not going to destroy all of them. Yeah, but um, uh, that Heil on a snare yeah. is awesome. Dude, the D6 because it's it's you know everyone knows it as like that kick drum microphone for getting that yep. sound. Well, then I thought to myself, I was like, well, I'm missing that from a lot of these snares, so I put that on there, and boom. It, it's darker. It, it's yeah. got a darker sound, but I think it's balanced out by it's got way more attack on it. Yeah. So it's 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 dark, but then you get that attack that kind of I feel like attack almost kind of uh, tickles your brain that kind of uh, uh, tricks you into thinking it's not necessarily brighter, but it's indefinable. You like you know it when you hear it. Yeah, yeah. That it's like okay, well I can tell that tonally this is dark, but I don't feel like it's it's being lost or in the bottom. It's not yeah. in the basement because of the attack that's on it, and it's great. But I would recommend blending it with another microphone, mm -hmm. not just using it by itself. But if you're looking for getting that extra bit of attack from it, yeah, that, blend that with a 57. That bright, dark kind you of know, thing. Use your 57 and kind of boost it in the high-end area to give you a little bit of that, that, mm -hmm. that color and character. But then get your punch in that, that yeah. low-end oomph from the, from the D6. Yeah, so typically these days, and it, you know, it's not the most budget-friendly recording setup. But I'll go, I'll go the buyer on the top and then the... Um, the v7 on the bottom or the 604 on the bottom um if you only have eight inputs i would argue that the snare bottom is more important to your mix than a kick out 100 um, no, no argument yeah like we talked about in the last episode you know you can always duplicate your kick drum or you can you know capture the low end and tuck in a sample that has a tack to it but if you're limited on inputs get the snare right yeah the snare bottom is so so important it's um, easier to fix a kick drum than it is i feel like that's that's come back in a lot of the yeah. videos that i've watched too as i felt like for quite a few at least you know in hindsight i haven't been doing this long enough to, to have yeah. been relevant then but they got to this point where people just stopped using the snare <clears throat> bottom mic because i think yeah. because samples became so easily used just saying well screw it we'll just throw a sample on mm -hmm. there and because it just it is some weird info there that's a lot of weird information down there yeah um, it's a weird sound that unless you realize how that's working with how important mm -hmm. the snare wires are to it, um, you can easily throw that away and just be like, oh, I don't need it. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it's become prevalent again that mm -hmm. a lot of guys are like, oh, no, you totally got to have the snare bottom. Yeah. Because you do. It, it, that, that is the sound of the snare. That, yeah. that's, you know, it's called the snare for a reason because of those, mm -hmm. those damn wires. Yeah, they are. And so if you These don't, snares if you don't are have important. a mic on those, like, you're not really recording your snare drum. Yeah. Um... I like the 421 on a snare. Uh, it's a little, I've never used that on the snare. It's a little hard to position. Um, I like it for the reasons that I'm not a fan of the 57. Okay. Is that I feel that the the off-axis bleed that comes in to the 421 is a little more usable. So I don't have to gate it as heavily or do a weird EQ thing and then compensate with another EQ later. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a little bit more of a natural thing. Um how about large diaphragm condensers on the snare? Have you ever messed with that? No. I um, haven't either. That should be something Actually, no, that's a lie. I used a my blue spark on a snare drum once, um, and I thought I got some pretty cool results. But that was also a thing where I was playing pretty light on the cymbals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've seen guys use 414s on the snare, and it's 
Yeah, that sounds awesome. Cool. I just don't. I, but I, don't I feel like one. in a very uh, busy drum performance, that yeah. might not be great. Whereas if you're doing a little more something that's just setting the vibe. Yeah, if it's a little like bit more of an open, open performance, yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of it is, I get a lot of my snare sound from the overheads. Yeah. I almost treat my overheads more as like a distant snare mic that the cymbals are just bleeding into. Mm. And then I like to get a lot of my cymbal sounds from my room, but we'll talk about those in a future yeah, future episode. It's going to be fun because um, you and me have very different approaches to yeah. cymbals and rooms, I think. Yeah, I, I like snares. Uh, there's just, there's so much stuff. How uh, about the hi-hat? How do you battle the hi-hat? My, I have done, that. Com, coming back to the, the what appear to be gimmicky devices that actually are really cool. Yeah. I know you and me, we've taken pop filters and then strapped cardboard onto them and foam to uh, block. As a mouse pad. Yeah, we did the mouse pad, you know, trying to block the, you know, the, the rejection point even more. Um, I know they make, some companies make, actual like devices that you can mount on your microphone yeah. stand that, that will cover your cover your microphone they typically only work with more of your your pencil style microphones like yeah it's not going to work on a 421 yeah. or even uh, and, it might actually i think about it they might make some that, that do yeah, maybe but, um i've tried the uh the pool noodle trick where you take a pool noodle oh, and you cut yeah. it and you put it on the back uh you just have to be careful because if you if you if you block too much of it, then you if lose. If you go too far to the capsule, it makes it an omni mic, which is just <laughs> <laughs> make everything worse. Um, uh, mic placement is important, you know. Have yeah, the oh, yeah. hat behind the microphone if it's, you know, cardioid. Or to the side, or to if the side, it's, yeah. which is why I like the buyer. It just rejects every, like, it's so yeah. narrow. So you, what, like, with the 201, you just point where the drumstick hits, mm -hmm. and you'll get a good sound out yeah. of it. But, um, you know, a lot of it comes, like you said, from the drummer yeah. getting proper mm -hmm. technique. The, uh... The more kind of, you know, my starting mic placement is kind of three fingers off of the top of the rim of the drum pointed at the center of the drum. You know, mm -hmm. look at where the most stick marks are on that drummer's drum head and that'll tell right you there. where they hit I think and always, point the mic there. I think if you need more ring, kind of tilt it down towards the edge of the drum. I think I always advise, and maybe you, you might feel differently on this, but I <laughs> always feel like, most drummers don't hit the snare hard enough. Because um, if you think yeah. about it, when you're setting your, your, your gain on your preamp, if you're not having to turn that gain up as much, you're less likely to be picking up everything around mm -hmm. it. Because if you've, if you've got enough dynamic range and difference between that snare drum and yeah. everything else, so, you know, especially in the context of, of any type of modern, call it modern pop and then rock and metal. In modern know, productions, yeah. You yeah. Know, and I feel like even in, even in, other things like, I mean, if you listen to like R and B and other things like that, they're still hitting that snare drum. You know, you're yeah. getting pop out of it. I feel like the only thing that you're not really gonna hit that snare drum that you might not want to hit it that way is maybe in like acoustic folk yeah. and maybe jazz. Um, but at that point too, yeah. you're not so much worried about your snare direct mic because in a lot of those styles, I feel like you're definitely it's blending a lot more of the room, a lot more of the overhead. Overheads, so, yeah. But in any style of music where you're trying to go for a lot of the direct mics, mm -hmm. got to hit the snare drum harder. Yeah. Um, snare drum harder. If you're looking for lift, rim shots. Yeah. Um, just think about thinking about have drummers think about that. They, mm -hmm. You know, what's the thing you want to focus on the most in the drum mix? Most likely the snare and the kick. So. Yeah. Play those a lot harder than everything else, you know? 
Yeah, and you know, mic placement too is like you want to place it far enough away that it's not so much proximity effect building up. Um, yeah. Which I another thing that I really like about the buyer is it just it doesn't have a whole lot of proximity effect. And kind of the if lo- only we would have gotten them to sponsor this video. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just a love I think fest. They talk for... shit about every other mic and like, yeah, it's good, but no, I, the I, buyer is just great. I love the V7X. Mm-hmm. I I I genuinely. I love it. That Heil PR35, if I need an airier, snappier snare drum sound, mm-hmm. it's that that microphone's great because the rear end rejection's great, so it, it will reject the hi-hat. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the true sound test right there. If you have yeah. everybody and everybody looking, scratch test and snap test. Um, yeah, I, it's just a matter of, you know, I just, I, it's, it's my favorite snare mic. Like, yeah. we talked about it, I think, in the first, like, not kick drum episode, but the first podcast back episode. Like every live performance or every record where I'm just like, the fucking snare. Like regardless <laughs> of tuning or size of drum or drum head or player, I, it's, it's that mic. I'm going to see. I think I have a, a drum session this Sunday mm-hmm. since we're going to be uh, secretly. We're going to be getting together possibly whatever day. Friday, Friday I think, yeah. yeah. I might ask to borrow that over yeah, the weekend so I could test that out. Yeah. And then I'll be like, sorry, guys, we got to record, re-record <laughs> all the drums for the entire record now because of that snare mic. Yeah. No, I actually have got some good snare tunes um, recently, but I, I definitely want to try that out. Yeah, the V7X, you know, I would call it the working man's mm. 201. I also... I would... I'm If I don't know the drummer, I'm not taking this out live. Oh, no, I wouldn't. Um, I but, live, just use your 50s hour. Yeah, I um, got... Because Gettysburg Rocks isn't happening, but there's like a stand-in fest that's happening that weekend. I think on my stage, I think I'm going to bring the V7X, and it's probably going to be my snare mic. You know, I like options, and I'm now at the point where I can afford to buy Mm -hmm. more microphones. I have a microphone, like, addiction. Like, (laughs) I love microphones. Yeah, they're they're incredible. Um, I think microphones are definitely, they're the most important thing. Before you go buying preamps, before you go buying... Fancy gear. pants, plugins. You know, yeah. I think there could be a balance, you know, because I think the other thing is too, you got to make sure you're still having fun. It's all symbiotic, you know, you know it all yeah, works together. You know, if if getting that preamp or getting whatever that might be or that new plugin is going to inspire you more, do it. Yeah, I would yeah. argue go with that. But but just realize that like if you're chasing a certain sound, mm-hmm. microphones. It's it's the it's it's the yeah. the the chain. What, what we, uh, input chain? I don't know what I, I call whatever. it. The source. It always starts the source. Just yeah. go down the the input like, chain. You know. You know, I can't think of the if, right words. We need more coffee. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're chasing a Les Paul sound, stop buying Stratocasters. Like, yeah, exactly. Buy exactly. the Les Paul. This is my yeah. my Les Paul of yeah. of microphones. That's a exactly. It starts off with analogy. the drummer and their gear, and then um, your microphones, and then the stuff after yeah. that. Should I, we know, get to uh, Should we get to the, the playlist here? We got any more notes? Um, you know, I I had some. Just pro- general processing notes. Yeah, um, let's hear it. Let's hear you know, it. You don't really Slow need a attack, lot. Of, fast release. Pretty much. <laughs> that's how you're going to compress it. Uh, when you're gating, I typically prefer to use an expander on the snare drum. Yeah. Uh, ghost notes are important. Mm-hmm. Listen to that. A lot of you can kill a drummer's feel by cutting out their ghost notes. I also like uh, multiband compression mm-hmm. on snare in okay. order to. Well, I guess it would be yeah, multiband expander. Um, to get rid of the hi hat noise when the snare's not being hit, so that yeah. you're you're ducking you're ducking above, I don't know. Did you ever six like k almost watch the Bo Burchell like flip the phase gate trick for a snare? No, that sounds amazing. On YouTube, it's 
it's pretty cool. So you basically duplicate your snare track. The top and bottom? Top. Okay. Because um, most of the drum's going to filter out a lot of the hi-hat bleed from the snare bottom. And then the only thing you really have to worry on the snare bottom mic is your kick bleed, which you're going to high-pass out for the most part anyway. Yeah. Um, if I remember it correctly, you duplicate the snare top and you use your stock compressor because more than likely it's the fastest compressor you have. And you threshold all the way down, attack fast, slow release, I believe, and you're basically creating a brick wall limiter. <laughs> and then you high pass all of the body so it's just the snare bleed. Or it's just, just like, like the bleed. The, it's just the washiness of the hi hats. Uh-huh. And then you flip the phase. So you're phasing out. You're phase canceling the, the bleed. The yeah. Basically. Does that work? I haven't tried it because I watched it and I was like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> like, I, like, this is black magic. This. What is this? And then he did it in the video and I was like, oh shit. Uh, who, so, did you say Bo Burchell? Yeah, from um, Sayusin. Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal mix right, engineer, I'll have too. to check that. He, dude, yeah. he's, he's crazy. I did. I, I remember the I when I tried to watch his Sayusin nail the mix, this was like years ago. I think it's from that session. Yeah, when it, it was like years ago. And so I was not as, I was still just trying to figure things out. And he started talking about, he got. He went on like for like an hour and a half about phase, and I just I zoned out because at that point I was just like, "Dude, I don't even know what an EQ does yet." Yeah, like, like, so this this was just like it was too over my head. So I, I do want to get back into that. That's a sweet. That was a sweet trick. Um, yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, I I don't. It's it's so weird to say, but it's like the most the drummer that I've recorded most is me, because I I think most of us recorder if we're also yeah. musicians which again I think we've mentioned that before like I don't really know any engineers that aren't also music well I know one I know a couple we know a couple and yeah. it's weird it's strange it's just weird um, it's, all, it's like you hang out with them too and they're just yeah you're not a real person are you no uh, <laughs> you're made up apologies to any of you out there that are really good engineers and don't yeah. play an instrument at all Yeah, I would love to record other people it's just you know I have to fit I'm in that weird struggle where I have to fit client recordings around my live schedule, and that's like my well, work and I schedule think the other is just thing is too, It's like you know, if somebody's so, paying you, you don't want to waste, all, and especially if they're paying you by the hour, you yeah. don't want to then be like, well, this is my time to experiment. So screw you guys. Yeah. Like, you do that on yourself if you've got the ability. Like, I you know, yeah. messing around with guitar, and or if you've got a friend. Yeah. Fortunately, I've got Adam. Adam has me. Yeah. I've got my band that I can mess around with. So of course, yeah. you know, find people and be like, hey, I just want to experiment with different miking techniques. You want to come yeah. over for a couple hours? Yeah, so luckily I have an engineer's mind and a drummer's mind, so I can, you know, when I record myself, I'll experiment, and I won't charge clients for it, but most of my home drum recording is me recording me, just throwing that out there. I am available for remote drum sessions if anybody needs anything. (laughs) Hit me up. Um, One little mix trick is I like, I've been automating the snare verb down when the vocals and the vocal reverbs are in the mix. Um, And then when the vocal stops, I'll kind of push it back up. Do you have any uh, click, here, uh, we'll use this term. Do you have any clickbaity frequencies that you like? You know, like with kick drum, it's like, yeah, 60 hertz, boost the 8K or 10K, you know, pull out 400. Do you have any general purpose like you typically find that boosting this frequency or cutting this frequency works on 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 yeah. you know, your average sounding snare not anything very specific i will if you phrased it to me as like if i'm building like i do a live show file mm-hmm. where like i go down my input list and i just put my general eq moves and i can just you know it's set you know it'll get you in the ballpark. You're going to have to fine-tune based on that. But you're Yeah, general... so if you just put me in front of Pro Tools and said, 
or if you if I just imported my last like snare mix chain, mm-hmm. I'm probably high passing up to a hundred or hundred and twenty five. Okay, give or take. Uh, I'm probably boosting somewhere between two hundred and two hundred and fifty, depending on the tuning of the drum. I'm probably scooping out you know, three to six hundred. That really depends on tuning um, and the size of the drum. So you know, you know that boxiness that sometimes you get with a snare. You know, I'm boosting eight hundred to one k somewhere in that range. Again, tuning and snare size dependent. And then you know, boosting somewhere around seven to eight. Yeah, I was gonna say pretty much the same thing for me too. I also yeah. careful though when you're boosting that 1k range. Yeah. Uh, if you're finding that your snare and not 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 I shouldn't say don't be careful because again I feel like for me snare is very important. You mm-hmm. know it is the backbone of the drums along with like the kick. Um, if you're finding that your snare is disappearing when you know if you get to a chorus and you've got heavy guitars, um, I just blanked. Sidechain. Yeah. <laughs> Sidechain compress the 1k range on your guitars when the snare hits because then. You know, and and very fast, very released, so that it just ducks really quick when that snare hey. hits. It's not even audible. You don't. You're not going to yeah. notice it. Um, but you know that kind of range because again, <laughs> like Adam said, that that area is where a lot of that kind of attack mm-hmm. and crack is, and the snares. You know, between that nine to two k range, I'd say anywhere in there, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all around there. Yeah. So kind of kind of find where with your snare drum that yeah. is sitting, the and snare then snares are very duck that in the guitars. Whenever it hits, I think that open I've done that and it's just oh my god, there it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just get it to push through a little bit. Side chain, side chain, side chain. Yeah, you know I like the the meats in the two fifty. The kind of like crack is in that eight hundred to two k range, and then you know your sizzle is in the six to seven or eight. Make it sizzle like bacon, people. Boom, bacony oh. snare drums. Uh, use the length of the ring musically. Um, I like that. You know, tie it together or your reverb time. I like to usually carry it through to the next quarter note or snare hit, depending on the vibe of the song. Yeah, and, you know, you could have that change between the parts, mm-hmm. too. You know, if you've got a very fast verse, you got yeah. chucka, 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 and then you've got a more open chorus. Yeah. I like I like the typical R&B plate on, like, a rim click. Mm-hmm. I know we didn't even talk about rim clicks at all. They're important. Yeah, I feel like that's, that's very important, but, you know. Not we've got a million episodes. Yeah, we'll do one later. If if someone needs to hear about rim clicks that bad, (laughs) we'll do one. Um, Yeah, and if you're looking for our rim clicks on our OnlyFans, check that out. (laughs) OnlyFans.com/slash Phoenix Johnson. We didn't put it in the podcast name. What's the longest time you've spent like mixing a snare drum, like in one song? I played the fifth. Okay. Uh, Too long. Too long. Yeah, that's I probably. I, what I, could I you have? Is it one that you recorded yourself? Yeah. What could you have fixed? Uh, I could have changed the head on the snare drum. Okay. I, it could have been a million things, but honestly, yeah, changing the head and the tuning of the drum. Um, because I, if if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure it was probably a 57. So I know it wasn't more than really likely. That. Yeah. It was um, used like you know. It was really just the snare itself, and I think the problem was too is I think everybody everybody says this, but again, it's so true. Don't try to fix it in the mix. Yeah. You know, just, if you're when you're tracking that and if you go, man, the snare is not saying the way I want, figure out. Do it right then and the there because you're minutes, not yeah. gonna be able to. You're not gonna be able to change the the sound of that snare drum. You yeah. can make more of what's there or take out some of what's there, but you're not gonna fundamentally change the sound of that snare drum in the mix. 
uh, without samples. Now, if you yeah. if you know in your head that you're gonna be like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sample replace yeah. it anyways, then like, jerk, sure, gung ho. Yeah. Who cares what it sounds Just like? Just make sure your samples are in phase with your direct mics if you're sweetening, mm-hmm. or make sure they're in phase with your overheads if you're replacing. Yeah, because if not, phase. your snare will sound like it twists when it's hit. Yeah. Like, it'll just sound like, just imagine, like, a wet towel being wrung. Oh, That's man. what the snare I, If we like. ever do, like, a phase episode, I just did a great recording. Well, I didn't just do this recording. I did this recording, like, two years ago. And, like, because of the whole pandemic thing, I've been mm-hmm. doing this album with this guy. And uh, it's taken us two years just because, yeah. you know, uh, the pandemic and, mm-hmm. and money and stuff like that. But we did this recording, and I fucked up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, um, now, granted, what's cool about this is it is a... Uh, uh, it is a, it's like an electronic album, but then mm-hmm. we did one acoustic song, and my direct mics are not in phase with my room mics. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I butchered it. This was like two and a half, almost three years ago now. Um, yeah. I, but, but what I will say is I, I did something pretty fucking cool with it where uh, he is not, they are not a a great musician. Most of the stuff is electronic, so they're right. not they're not really a guitar player. They learn these chords to do this song. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not a singer. They right. they are a vocalizer. They're not a singer. So it I I lucked out in that I use the phasiness to my advantage to kind of create a really cool effect. I use the I lean into it. I did. Know? I leaned into it. I think that was that. That's the thing. Honestly, you I, I thought about you a lot in in terms of the way that you use your rooms as your main tracks a lot. Yeah. And I listened to my room track, and my room track was was great. Honestly, like yeah. that that room track I had my left and rights. It was like, damn, if this was the only track I had, I could make this work, but I still had some direct mics, and so I, I mixed the rooms, and I was like, this is a great mix. This sounds really mm-hmm. awesome, actually, for just being two microphones. But then I was like, I actually thought it was a little too clear because yeah. of the way this, this this guy performed. And I think with the vibe of the song, it could be a little painful because it was a painful song. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's it's a song about betrayal. And I was I, like, I'm yeah. going to lean into it. So I used some of these direct mics in and out to create a little bit of phase and it's to create yeah, this just- like – Almost this effect of like, wow, like, you know, when you're going through something emotional, you kind of It's disorienting, don't, it, it's yeah. It's disorienting, exactly. Yeah, so. I like it when, not snare related, but like when really like intimate songs, I like it when the vocals are a little rough. Like, mm. I'll try to track those last. Yeah. When the voice is a little worn, because it just sounds more <laughs> I, earnest. I will berate my vocalist. <laughs> I will make them cry before we sing, I'll, like, sing now. Check this out. I'm going to tie it back together. If it's an emotional song, I want their vocal cords to sound like a drumhead that doesn't have any more coding. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Let's talk Boom. about snare sounds we like. All right. The backseat playlist. All right. Again, everybody, check us out on uh, on. Patreon slash Backseat Playlist, or Reflections Artist Collective. Yes. Um, but uh, you can find our playlists every week. Uh, you can find those. Spotify, iTunes, here yeah. on video-wise, looking at you people on they, YouTube. We'll put the links in the description. in the descriptions. So mm-hmm. that'll be, if you're on our Patreon, you can see the links there. Yep. If you're on the YouTube, you can see the links there. I in spot, Can you, if you're in the Spotify mm-hmm. yeah, app, I can, you can I'm, link the, the playlist. I'm pretty sure I can link them yeah, if you're an i an Apple Podcast listener, there will be an Apple Music uh, link to songs we like for every episode. The whole thing that I forgot to mention in this this reboot is just sharing music that we're digging on. Um, I used to play a game with some friends where just like you know you'd walk in and be like, "What? What are the five songs you listen to on the way here?" And we would talk about that, and I was like, "That's a good idea for a podcast thing." So uh, for this, we're doing, you know, kick drum sounds we like, or today we're doing snare drum sounds. So each 
Yeah, each playlist will be in the description of wherever you are watching or listening, and there will be a link to the music listening platform of your choice. Uh, if you need to, I will burn you a cassette and mail it. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash Reflections Artist Collective. Uh, be sure to hit the burnt cassette tier because they are expensive. So uh, No, we were going to literally send you a cassette that we yeah. lit on fire. There is... There's some overhead if you need the cassettes. So, you know, we're trying to get vinyl. It's just vinyls behind. So weekly vinyl playlists for music that we don't own the rights to is a little difficult. <laughs> All right. So today, do we want to do, do the back and forth thing or do we want to go through yeah, our whole... Yeah, go back, back and, and forth. forth. Did you limit it to five? I did limit it to five. 500. Okay. Right, you're still you, counting. You go Jeez. first. Let <laughs> me go first. You're like, I didn't... I, I didn't narrowed it them. down from 50 to eight. So. Oh, my God. All right. All right. My first one, honestly, this has got to be my favorite snare drum in the context of an album. I, it's not a snare drum I would I would use. Okay. But this is my favorite snare drum in the context of an album. It, if this snare drum wasn't on this album, it wouldn't be the same album. Uh, but the song, at least, "Burn It Down" by Avenged Sevenfold off of City of Evil. Okay. I get so much joy out of that snare drum. It is so high pitched. It is. It tight. Just, it's so tight. It is awesome. It is just, I I yeah. I love that snare drum. Every time I hear it, it's just, it cuts through the mix. It cracks. It pops. It's just, it. I feel like because of the pitch of it and because higher pitches, they or they oscillate faster. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it, because of that and because of the songs on that record are very high tempo, yeah, the, it does something by being high pitched. Yeah. It gets out of the way, but it's still there every time. It doesn't take up a lot of room in the mix, but it's just... Yeah, the groovy, fat snare drum's not going to be your go-to for, like, speed metal. Uh-uh, and, and it just... And it blends so well with the rest of that drum kit. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a cool He has sound. a very high-tuned drum kit, but it works. Yeah, and he doesn't do that on any of the records prior or, or after that. That record had... City of just, Evil, yeah. Yeah, that, their best record, Vincent Fold, City of Evil. That record is incredible. But that's snare drum. That's yeah. that is one of my all time. That was my number one on here. Mm. I was just like, without a doubt, when we talked about snares, I said, "City of Evil." Uh, all right, number one for me, uh, "Invincible" by Tool off the new album, newish, most recent album, most recent. Uh, "Fear Inoculum." Uh, most of the time, Danny Carey plays with the snare wires off, which is a fun little effect. Um, I forgot to mention this in the. Uh, educational if you'll call it that portion of the podcast if you like the way your snare's tuned but it's not as like singy in the mix but it's not a tuning or playing problem do the track with the snare wires on and then do another pass where the drummer takes the snare wires off and then just hit the main notes in time oh that's cool yeah because then you're getting just the pitch of the snare drum back on that extra take. And then you don't have to tuck in a sample to get something else. You're just adding that drum. You're reinforcing that drum with itself. That's awesome. So you have That's the, really like, cool. the bitey, cracky attack of the drum, and then you have the more, like, singy. Do you find, though, that you need to edit the timing just a little bit to make sure yeah, that, I mean, you're you're... Not, that you're not getting a flam, basically? Yeah, you're going to have to go in in post and yeah. and time align it. And you know, maybe you, don't, you could use that as a cool effect it though, could to be, create yeah. a flam. In a way. Yeah, if you're just if your snare sounds good, but it needs more chutzpah. Yeah, just some more sauce. You know, it, maybe it's not a reverb. Maybe it's not a room sample. Like t-shirt idea, snare drum, bottle of sauce. Put some sauce on it. it. Boom, 
buy our shirts when we make them. Yeah, we're gonna create a website. We'll do that soon. We're gonna yeah. have some shirts for sale. <laughs> um, All right. But there's just a. He flips. I, no, it's snare wires off. There's there's a break breakdown groovy the part. The snare wires are off. Does he? Are they also miking the bottom of the snare still? Probably. Just, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, snare snare off's cool. It's you know tribally and more percussive. Oh, yeah. It's you know experiment with it. It's cool sometimes. I did a drum session once where I was I, I said to the engineer who recorded me I was like yo, I'm gonna turn the snare wires off on this and they're like that's why no don't do that. I was like, trust me. Like for the drum fills, <laughs> just just trust me. And they were like I, yep that was the right call. Nice. So yeah you can you have the option. So number two for me, I feel like I'm realizing now that I, I wrote my snare my, my my list of snares in terms of highest pitch to lowest pitch. Nice. <laughs> so number two, uh, my boy Dave Dave Matthews Band Ants Marching. <laughs> that intro, pop pop. I love that snare. I love the snare on a lot of their music, uh, but that album in particular. Carter Belford do be good at that, that whacking. I, I do love that high pitch snare. Yeah. Um, I really like in that style of music. Um, I don't know what you call it. There's like a groove rock, groove jammy. Because there's rock, there's there's blues, there's R and B. Just the jam band. But it's awesome. I love that that high pitch snare drum sound yeah. that still has a little bit of. It's not crack. It's more of like a a splat. There's like a yeah. splat mm-hmm. with a, with the high pitchness to it. Um, and especially because of the way that song starts off, where it is it is that drum beat and that snare mm. is the focal point. I feel like it's it's just such a it's a really unique sound that I think yeah. if it were just your standard fat rock drum, it, it wouldn't get that same lift and excitement that that song starts off with. You know, when that bam, yeah, ba, da, da, it, that snare adds to it. It adds yeah. to that melody in a way. So I think yeah, that's there's... a great example of a snare drum that maybe by itself you'd be like, eh. but in the context of the mix, again, it's just yeah, it lifts that whole whole performance. There's no right or wrong snare sound. So just like. If anything, we're encouraging people to experiment with, yeah. especially the snare. It's just it's make sure there's some body to it. Yeah, I don't want just I just don't want attack anymore. I don't yeah. want just attack, and so bring it back. Bring back the attack. Yes. B B T A. Bring back the attack. It should be bring back that attack. That would rhyme better. Yeah. yeah. It's me no. again. Um, hey, it's me again. Drum. Album sticks reference. tones that I love. Uh, my... No, it's not sticks. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. I gotta, I gotta rewind. That was not a sticks reference. Adele. No, shoot. The oh doors. My God. No, uh, uh, cheap trick. Sorry, cheap trick reference. Yep, one over my head. Yep, back to back to Adams. Thing. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I, just, I had to not make a fool of myself. Which album of drum tones that I love so much that they're burned in my body? Uh, a perfect circle. The noose. When the snare drum comes in in that song, it is perfect. There's, it's got. I wish we could play these songs on air. Yeah, it's got a little bit of body, good amount of crack to it, but it's also very natural sounding. Mm -hmm. Same time, I just love it. Hell yeah, love it so much. Love it, love it, love it. Um, Number three for me, and again, right in the middle there. I think this is a really good. uh, Maybe a little much for your standard rock stuff, but anything that leans, I'd say, in the heavy side, heavy rock, heavy metal, mm-hmm. um, Carousel by Haken, anything off their recent record, Virus, I think uh, all those drums, mixed by Nolly, my favorite engineer, yeah. uh, I think he's he's got that, just about mastered that really nice balance between 
natural drum tone, but still getting that intensity. Processing of, of, it to uh, get the, to, the punch, yeah. Yeah, so I think he does a really good balance. You've got someone like, you know, like Will Putney, who does just the most insane drum mixes where it's just, like, more than real. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, on the other end, you've got, I don't know, more... I'll say Foo Fighters, where it's like that, oh, really very real sounding drums. And I feel like in the middle, you've got, you know, something like what yeah. Nolly does, where you've got some nice punch, some the nice. Best of both worlds, yeah. Yeah, you get that nice blend. And so I think for me, in the style that I work with a lot, that that is like the snare drum that I, I aim for, I would say. Yeah. Um, again, song dependent, but that one is going to be a nice, nice in the middle. It doesn't have any kind of character that makes you go, whoa, that's yeah. really unique, but it just, it just sits, it anchors the song. All right, cool. Uh, song three for me. This is so tough. I, I love and hate snare drums. Um, <laughs> I feel like the a good middle of the road, like just rock snare, is off of Thrice's Yellow Belly, off of the album Major Minor. Yeah, that's a. Great it's just one. got a very. Nothing's hiding it. There's not a whole lot of. I mean, there's like a kiss of reverb on it. Just in I the love background. all their snares. I love yeah. all the drum tones. Even going back to Artists in the Ambulance, that's yeah. got a great snare sound. Yeah, this one was the most kind of like, it was recorded like a grunge album back in the 90s, but it was done in a more modern way, yeah. so it's kind of the best of both worlds of stuff that I like, and it's it just, it fits the groove well, and it's, you know, it's the first song on the album, so it kind of just sets the attitude, but it, yeah, it's just, it's got body, it's got bite, it's got punch, it doesn't have a lot of pop, mm-hmm. I would, you know, you're like, your Travis Barker snare sounds and stuff like that, I would consider that more of like a poppy-sounding snare. Yeah, I think it's a good way to say it. Or it's just it. like, this one has crack and some sizzle and some body, and it just, it drives it. Like, it's my perfect, that and the noose are my, like, middle-of-the-road snares, yeah. where they're just, if you're close to that, it'll work. I dig it. I dig it. Um, another one, kind of still in the in the rock genre, but also kind of gearing in more to, to pop. Uh, well, I might have done this song before already. I don't think so. I know I've done the band, but One True Prince by Don Broco. Uh, my last two songs, this one and the next one, are kind of cheating because they're two different snares. Uh, hey, sometimes that works. And I, I love it because in the chorus, like the opening, when the band is when the full band is kicked in, mm. there is, it's clearly a, uh, I, I think it's a sample. I'm pretty sure it's a sample because it, it just, it hits the same exact way every time. Yep, and it's yeah. like, mm. I mean, there might be a real drum in there, but um, it, it, it has got crack. It's really ringy. Not, I wouldn't say really ringy, but the ringiness is controlled. And that's why I'm like, damn, that's, that's, that's gotta be sweetened or, or yeah. that's a sample. But it's a beautiful sound because it just, when it hits, it's got a slower tempo, a little bit slower tempo to the song, but it drives. And so when that snare hits, it explodes. Like it is an explosive sounding right. snare. And so, you know, would not work in a faster tempo song. No. Definitely would not. But for something like this, it's it's huge. And I, I what I love about this this song and this record in particular is that they are rock. They are a rock band, but they are very much pop inspired in their production. And mm-hmm. this is a snare that you could easily hear on a pop record. But within a different context, you might yeah. not see it the same. So I, I really appreciate it. And then when it goes into the verse, um, it's a and it's a definitely electronic snare. It's it's almost the complete opposite of it. There's no ring. It's that quick punchy psh, psh, ah. psh sound. But it's it doesn't have a lot of it doesn't have a lot of velocity to it because gotcha. of the, the yeah. whole song it's kind of dropping the yeah. the whole song drops down into this soft little groove. And so it's this really awesome balance of very quiet. Yeah. Closed in short snare to then this 
gigantic explosion. Uh, it's really cool. Nice. Um, well, you know, I, I did some, you know, more cliche, like stereotypical rock snares. So um, I'm going to go with a, a, a fatter, lower mixed snare, uh, The Gold by Manchester Orchestra off the Ooh. album Black Mile to the Surface. Uh, it's not really in your face, but they're... Their drummer likes the to use the big fat snare drum pads, mm-hmm. um, and it's just it's fat and low and groovy, and it just there's a cool thing that happens in that song where in the one verse they automate out the top head, so it's just the bottom. Ooh, and that's then, really really cool. And then when the next chorus hits, the snare top comes back in. I love and that. It's, there, that's such a an awesome. I feel like there are so many different yeah. examples we could use of that, but I think. Not using it. If you record a bunch of mics, you know, obviously, yeah. if you've got a lot of inputs, record them. Sure. And, but you don't have to use all of them. I, that's been told yeah. to me a time. But I think that's a really great example of not necessarily not using all of them, but in certain in certain parts, maybe like how are you trying to get a dynamic? You're trying to get a yeah, really because the cool groove's thing. still the same, but, it, but the song needed take out to drop. One of those mics. Yeah. That's really cool. I've got actually a couple things I'm going home and try yeah. now. With I that. think it. I think they automated out the kick in, the snare top, and probably the rooms. And then when the chorus hit back in. Snare top, kick That's in, rooms cool. are back, and it just, it elevates it enough. Um, It's a pretty, like, it's a faster-ish tempo, but it's still a very, like, relaxed and atmospheric song. But it's just proof that, I mean, that snare is it's pretty quiet in the mix, too, but it does, this is a, a case of the snare's not driving the song, it's providing the, like, the feel of it yeah or it's, it's not as in, in your water. face yeah it's not yeah i know what you mean so when you do a crazy automation like that where you take out the snare top the volume's still relatively the same yeah, because it's, it's not, not a, in your face it's more about like it all of a sudden doesn't disappear in a way yeah it's just tonally it changes yeah so you know the snare a mistake that i would always make is my, my kick and snare would just be like way too hot in the mix <laughs> so pulling it back a little bit provides you room to do some of these more creative things that's awesome yeah my last one and i i saved this one for the last because it's not a original snare drum sound it's not a snare drum sound you're like wow i've never heard that before but it is a snare drum sound that you would rarely ever hear in a heavy metal mix like this okay the song just came out uh dimorphous display by loathe Loathe is one of my favorite bands right now. Yeah. Uh, they're, I don't know who engineered this one. I forget. Um, George Lever did their earlier stuff, but I don't know who did this one. But it is a heavy metal mix through and through, but it's got an electronic, like, 80s, 808 drum sample sound. The snare is just this short... That's cool. And, you know, a lot. it's causing a lot, of, a lot of discussion in some of the community about, what, this is a horrible drum sound because it's so different and so it's one of those polarizing ones where yeah if you really don't like it you don't like it but for me it is it's brilliant because it's taking you know a a common drum sound that's used in a certain genre of music and then putting it with this other one and i think it's a vibe i think it's amazing it creates such a unique feel to this song it i mean that band already stands out as it is uh, just through their arrangements and through mm-hmm. their writing, but it just takes them one more step to another level where you're like, oh man, I know this is nobody else. Like you can tell, yeah. and I think that's really important. I think um, for everything that you're recording, I think 
a lot of the times, especially if you're trying to be, if you're trying to make it in the mainstream as an artist, as a producer, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going for avant-garde, do whatever the hell you want. You yeah, know, if you do not care. There are literally um, no rules. There are no rules. But I think there are certain times, I think a lot of the times you do need to pick certain elements where you're going to go, hey, we're going to use the same element that everybody else does because that's what people are used to hearing. They're familiar with it, yeah. And you kind of need to because if you take, if you, if every element of your mix is pulling from something different, I will say it can be a little jarring and it will then end up in that avant-garde space where, you know, a lot of people are just going to be like, what's going on here? But what I love about them is the guitar tones, I heard those guitar tones, everything you've heard before in their mix, but they've chosen the drums as the one element for this mix to be that, that different thing that stands out. And I think creates a feel. Sometimes it might be a guitar. Sometimes it might be the vocal, but in this, they chose the snare drum and the kick drum. And I, I think it's, it's wonderful. Gotta love the creativity. Always. I appreciate creativity. Yeah. I mean, you know, people want to be purists, especially like people who are a little bit older than us who didn't come up in the digital age of music. But mm-hmm. then, like, you know, I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty is an 808 programmed hi hat. Yeah. And they just did kick and snare, probably as overdubs. So yeah. and it's if, awesome. If fucking think... Tom Petty can use a drum machine. Exactly. I think it's so cool experiment with that stuff. It's so much fun and it. It, it breaks up the monotony, you know? It takes yeah. something that could be, hey, this is a good song, to this is a great song. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Johnny Cash song, um, God's Gonna Cut You Down, mm-hmm. where it's got the stomp and the clap. Yeah. Like, if that were just a kick and a snare, it wouldn't be as cool. Yeah, exactly. Not not, not my, my playlist pick, but I gotta round it out. Um, there are other snares that would probably fit in my list better, but if I don't say before i forget by slipknot because i own the joey jordison snare that i love that snare it's so good we oh my god when we play out with nick with for those of you who don't know it's a blues americana blues roots, folk, blues. Americana roots and adam rolls up with the joey jordison snare like half the time and people are like bro what snare are you using it sounds amazing he goes you know slipknot and they, <laughs> the look on people's faces are just what? And like, it's an in-your-face. It's got the tribal S's on it. Oh, oh it's it, my it, favorite snare. It sounds so good. It's, it's so, so versatile. It's yeah. amazing. It can be fat. It can be snappy. It can do the slipknot thing. I think, thing. honestly, because I've been in the market for buying a snare, yeah. I think I'm going to buy that one just because of how much I've heard it. I'm just like, dude, that snare is just so I mean, you could just snare. always borrow mine. Yeah, but, you know, I think some things, you know, you just kind of want to own, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, did, I've, maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe I feel like <laughs> we... We played a festival gig with Nick where the band after us, the drummer forgot the snare drum. Mm-hmm. Were you on stage when I was like, you can use mine, and then they saw it was a Slipknot one, and they are like, nope. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was just like... And I was like, seriously? And they are like, yep, nope, not doing it. It's like, dude, did like, you even hear it? It doesn't... You would never guess based on the way it looks. Have fun playing your set without your snare then. Like, yeah. And how many records has your band sold? Because this snare sound has sold like 10 million. Dude, and what's great too, because it's like, how you have a tune... Again, it just goes to show the drum heads, yeah, the cha- snare wires. Use a different like, drum head for Nick than I do when I'm doing rock stuff. It does not sound like Slipknot at that point. The way, no. the way that Adam has it set up, but it just... Regardless of how you set it up, that drum sounds damn good. <laughs> it's... It's... Yeah. And I found it used for, like, cheap. I always find that, like, signature stuff is always just kind of like, eh, it's not great. But then yeah. you've got those, those few gems like that that you're like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. You might R.I.P., be- by the way. Yeah. Someone's like, you should sell your snare now that he died. And I was like, no. Oh, because oh, you make good money off. I was like, I, guess. I was just like, well, he's dead now, so why do you even want it? <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? No, someone's like, it's probably gone up in value. Yeah, and I was like, like I love it know. too much. Yeah. Like, if you said, you're Adam, your house is burning down. 
and you can only grab one drum related thing. That's like true. I'm grabbing my Joey Jordison yeah. snare. It's like I told that to uh, our buddy Mike. He's got one of the original 5150 block letters yeah. uh, before they switched to actual EVH, like one of the PV1s. Mm. So I think it's something in the Transformers that they did differently, and it does have a different sound. And just like, Mike, if you ever decide that you are broke and you need money, like, give me like a day's heads up so I can take a loan out so I can buy that from you because you are not getting rid of that amp. Yeah. Like, I don't... You know, it's like when Eddie died, like, I think the prices on those, I mean, the prices on those are already skyrocketed just because they only make a few. Yeah, I hate that. I um, just, I hate, I hate the, like, well, this person died, so now it's worth more. Yeah, it's like, nope, like, there were still only 500 of that guitar ever made, yeah. so it's not any less rare. Yeah, but it's just, like, there are those few items that, like, you know friends or people have, and you're like, never sell that if you, keep it in the family. Keep it in yeah, the family. And, uh, that's okay, like, another <laughs> home recording hack is, as you've just heard Phoenix and I say, don't buy what your good friends own. That's They'll right. let you borrow it. You might have to give them 20 bucks and a case of beer. <laughs> or a favor with yeah. body parts. But Yeah, you'll have to give them a tattoo or something. I don't yeah, know. that's what I meant. Yeah. Barter. Barter. Treat your friend circle well. Yep. All right, cool. Uh, should we do that... official housekeeping? Because we've got our official... one critique yes, from a listener uh-huh. is that we don't All do right. housekeeping so enough. Again, again, uh, we check us out on Patreon at Reflections Arts Collective. Uh, there you can find all the links for our, you know, for the podcast on Apple, Spotify, anywhere yep. you listen to podcasts, YouTube. We got cool tiers, and we'll have you know the more people sign up, the more we will be willing to fulfill the demands. Yeah, check uh, out the actual playlist of the songs. You know those will be on Apple, those will be on Spotify. Linked in the description. In the description. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Reflections Artist Collective. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Reflections Artist Collective. Do we also? Are we still running? Just because I'm gonna air this air this dirty laundry live. Is the backseat playlist itself? Are we still running that Instagram, or is everything being funneled? To- Everything's going to be refunneled okay, to so Reflections yes. Artist Collective. Yeah. yeah, follow us at Reflections Artist Collective. It just makes more sense. Uh, yeah, search us. You can search backseat playlist, but uh, there will be a lot more nerd content now that we have gained some momentum. Yeah, we're definitely going to shoot some videos. We're going to be back here in the studio on Friday doing some more stuff. Yeah, we're going to we're launching this baby. It's we gonna are be- going to the freaking moon. The moon of niche. We're going to hit the, I say, 2022 goal. We're going to hit the freaking moon. 2023, we're going to be a fucking Jupiter, baby. Space hotel. We, we are all... aiming for Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> all I wanted was health care, and we get a fucking space hotel. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of got I'm down with the space hotel. That's I'm cool. A, I don't care. I'll lose my kidney. Who needs it? Uh, you know, you only need one. Yeah, exactly. All right. Snares. Snares, we did it. Crack, crack, baby. You hate them until you find the one that you love. And uh, when do the uh, when do these podcasts drop? Are we doing a, a weekly thing? Weekly. Weekly. So, what days can people check this out? Released every Friday, unless you're a member of the Patreon, where early. maybe now it's Wednesday, but little behind the scenes, uh, peek behind the curtain is uh, we're going to stockpile these. So the Patreon peeps will probably start getting them on Mondays. Mondays. So stay A tuned, whole Patreon. four business days ahead of the rest. And they're longer. You get to see us funnel through tech errors as we try to set this up. <laughs> you get to see me talk to the camera by myself when Adam leaves me alone, unattended. What is Phoenix going to do? What am I going to do? He's going to start, start talking about myself in the third person. That's what's going to happen. You see the after show, because we will have an after show party. All, every time. It's 
probably just me and Adam holding each other crying. <laughs> what <laughs> we did we talk about? <laughs> but uh, yeah, follow us, like, subscribe, comment, please share. Tell share, your friends. Share, share. Um, you know, we will. Uh, we'll probably start doing a monthly. Maybe we'll. Maybe we'll add a monthly playlist. Monthly playlist of, of fan submitted ones. Maybe at the uh, the end of each month, we'll uh, we'll yeah. ask for fans. Uh, yeah. playlist and then we'll release it at the beginning of the month and we'll let it stay up on and you know what let's just throw it out there now starting in march we will be doing monthly live streams on the patreon hey 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 subscribe 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 let us get that Boom. sound thing if you know hashtag phoenix wants a sound thing <laughs> phoenix wants to make the sounds all right this has been two hours you guys have had enough of us uh i'm phoenix we got i am adam this has been the backseat playlist episode something three Boom. Love it.